Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right, welcome to Morelia Python Radio, and in this episode, we're going to talk about Darwin Carpets, another... Super- Finally, because we've been trying for four fucking days. I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. We have struggled for this episode. Jesus, this better be the best damn show on Darwin Carpets. Otherwise, I quit. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, there's super underrated subspecies in the Carpet Python uh, complex. Um, we... You know, whether it's uh, the Nick's Tigers um, or the reduced pattern ones that uh, Carrie and Todd have produced, you know, and then you have uh, the melanistic and the hypos down in Australia. Um, you know, and they were the first albino carpet python. I mean, you want to split hairs. Yeah. There it is. And, I mean. And we'll get into that because, yeah. you know, I think that's kind of what hurts the Darwins. I think way. it does. Too. I think it does, too. But in my opinion, it is also what helps the Darwins, because we sit here and we're like, why doesn't anybody have it inlands? This is why this is right here. Why? Right. Because Dar- the reason people have the reason a lot of people have Darwins is because they got them on the back of an albino project. So sorry. Yeah. yeah. And there's <laughs> uh, there's so much more to that. One cool thing is that this is a species that. Or subspecies that Owen and myself were around for when they became available in the states, and like when you know, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the bloodlines. We'll talk some natural history, some of the morphs. Uh, you know, um, you know, all just different types of things uh, that we can think of about Darwin's. Kind of like what we did with the coastal carpet python episode. Um, mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this one is, and um, you know why I wanted to do this one first. Yeah, we went we went herping for Darwin's in Darwin with the guy yes. who wrote the paper on Darwin's. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's a cool part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool story. Not many people can tell that story, Owen. So you know. <laughs> and if they can, fuck them. <laughs> like, yeah, no, this is, I know of four guys who can, and they were with me. Right. So you know, yeah. So uh, so we'll get into that, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about uh, you know maybe some of the projects that uh, each of us have uh, working that with involve Darwin. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I have one. You have twelve. So it's, <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. Yeah, usually how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it is unfortunately how that usually happens. <laughs> it's like yeah. So yeah, but before we get into that, we are going to uh, talk about what's going on. I mean, how you been, man? You're you you you're surviving okay over there? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not sick. I'm not, you know, uh, again, it's time for the Jim McIntyre update. Uh, he's challenged me to a beard growing contest, which I am just terrified now. Oh, he's gone. The man who was my father. <laughs> I mean, he's lost his mind. So, um, of course, now I'm going to yell at him Santa Claus every time I see him. But, uh, you know, it's neither here nor there. Um <laughs> As far as eggs, dude, um, I got I got that clutch of caramel jag head exanic to head exanic, and Ooh. they bombed. They ah. bombed all but two so far have just bombed. And I'm like, damn it, because now like you know, twelve eggs. I'm like, all right, odds are pretty good. I'm gonna get a caramel exanic jag. That's awesome. And then like as the eggs tick off, I'm like, odds are still good. Getting a little worse. <laughs> We're still okay. Shit. Like it's just like, now I'm sitting at two eggs. I'm like, they're both going to come out like caramel. Like they're going to come out like they're going to look, I'm I'm not even going to get Xanax. Like I, the, the, yeah, no. And it just sucks um, for that clutch. Cause I was all 
hyped for that one. And I'm like, uh, gut punch. Um, the rough scale females off food. So Ooh. draw your conclusions. Uh, I was talking to Brent today and I'm like, what do you think? He goes, you could be cautiously optimistic. I'm like, hi, I'm Owen. Have we met? What do you think? And he's like, all right, well, or, and I'm like, thank you. So <laughs> I'm thinking this summer I'm going to move the roughies into, uh, the three foot cages that I have Okay. more space. And I'm going to do one of those hanging on the ceiling hides. Okay. For them. So, and then this way, I'm just going to get rid of those two arboreal cubes and just buy two more four footers because uh, I saw one of my Chinese king rats the other day. And I'm like, dear Lord, <laughs> it just grew overnight. It's like, a, it's, like <laughs> it's like one of those little pills that you put in water as a kid and it glows up like a sponge <laughs> T-Rex. It's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, so I, yeah, I have to get those into bigger cages. So it, it's just one of those things that I want to try to. Uh, I would love for them to gain a little bit more weight. And when the female who eats like a champ is like, I don't really want to eat them. Like, Neesh. and the males, he's always been finicky. So it's, it, it's really annoying to me. So right. as much as I love them, they're the banes of my existence. So, <clears throat> well, but olive looks good. Woma looks good. I got a couple more carpets coming. Um, we'll see, man. Cool. Uh, I was uh, quite excited with the last clutch that I... Why? What happened? What was it? Uh, Talk to the people. <laughs> so for people that have been following the show for quite a while, you will know the name V and Molly Ringwald. And um, I've only been waiting for this since I dropped that bastard off at your house. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, she put a clutch on the ground, 12 eggs. One did go bad. One was kind of iffy, so we got 11. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that clutch, man. Super, yeah. super excited about that clutch. I mean, I will be there, like, when they hatch. I'll just, I don't care if I got to wear a full Tyvek suit. Like, you know, I'll, I'll just come down in a, in a scuba gear or something like that. It's fine. I'm, I'm picking out them babies. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to tell the story real quick just for people yep. that might be new and listening and whatnot. But, uh so I, I, the, the very, what was it? The, I guess it was the first carpet fest. First one, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. The second one. Yeah. No, 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 no it was the, the first wait. one. Yeah. No, it was the first one. First one. First okay. one. So the first carpet fest, um, I, uh, I had, uh, put a bid out on, um, a Bioc, uh, Condro from Buddy Buscemi. Now this Bioc was yellow, yellow, yellow. And, and then maybe a bit of green. Like, <laughs> but... I think it had two green scales on the snake. <laughs> yeah. So this was my, that was my first chondro. That was my second chondro. Right. Um, so I was, I was, um, I, you know, if I were to ever do like big time into chondros, localities would be my thing. So, you know, I, I was like, okay, Bioc, this is going to be awesome. Um, I had the snake for, I don't know, maybe six months or so. Mm-hmm. And at some point, um, Zach Baez had uh, contacted me, and um, he had he lived around the corner for like literally like maybe ten minutes from my house, and um, he had come over, and you know he wanted to see the collection because I think he, at the time he was just getting into carpets, um, mm-hmm. you know, as I was showing him my stuff, he he told me <laughs> showed me how to take pictures and took some pictures of my collection, um, is really when, you know things started really happening for me because yeah, I can tell you, man, the pictures that I was taking before, uh, Zach gave me some tips and pointers mm-hmm. and took some pictures for me 
were kind of shitty. So it really just changed uh, my uh, whole presence on social media, if you will. And um, anyway, um, we're going back and forth, and he had bought Molly Ringwald from yeah. Jason Balin. And Jason was very reluctant to sell that snake. Um, but I guess because he had another one, he decided to sell it. Now, Molly Ringwald is an MBB tiger. Um, she's bred um, with that, that red mm-hmm. uh, that Jason, uh, I don't know if people will remember, but a while back at this time, Jason had produced this red coastal carpet um, that looked albino. You know? Yeah. And yeah. that was the sire. Um, so she's just a beautiful snake. Um, the, 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 and it was, and to me, we were talking, and he's looking at this jag I had that I got from Luke Snell, which was also an MBB. And that thing is like almost has no pattern. The saddles are orange. It's almost, yeah. uh, it's just a crazy looking. And he thing. has a V on his forehead. And yes. he's, just, yeah. <laughs> so he's a cool snake. Um, so I'm like, man, this is a, this is a pairing made in heaven. So at the time, Zach was really like wanting to get into chondros. So we were going back and forth, and I don't know if he suggested it or I suggested it, but, you know, somehow uh, we ended up trading. Uh, and, um, you know, Buddy was upset at me, and Jason yeah. was upset at Zach. Zach, yeah. yeah However, everyone was mad at everybody, yeah. I think we did what was best for each other, um, you know, because I think in the long term, carpets were more my thing, and uh, GTPs were more his thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he had that snake for a while and it, and it never got, I think maybe it had maybe four or five green scales. It, it had enough in like, in, it was kind of haphazard. It would have like a couple green scales here and a couple green scales there. And it really helped like bring, like if it, if it was all yellow, I think it'd be boring. Having the breakup of the green in there just made it look so much cooler. Yeah. So, um, so if you want to go check out Zach's, uh, I think he still has it up, Dark Side Exotics is what it mm-hmm. was, but it, the snake's name was Chiquita. So he took her, I took uh, the, the Red Tiger Molly, and I've been trying to breed her forever. Since, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And finally this year she produced the clutch. So not only are they going to be Red Tiger Jags, which I can't <sighs> imagine, dude. I mean, think about this. Like, the pattern is already reduced on... I, I, dude, this is why, because the problem is, is I'm like, reds are cool, but you know what? I'm not really... Like, that's other people who are doing better stuff and shit like that. And then I get Deadpool and Domino dropped on me, who are MBV red, you know, right? Um, stuff, and I'm like, shit. And now you're finally producing from Molly, and I'm like, well, I think I see an opportunity here to... Um, <laughs> To enhance the project, and yes. if I can get a female version of V, I will be first in line for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it there's always room to expand, you know. I would say that the one part is I do love about V is he does have the reduced pattern, but I kind of wish he almost had a little bit more because it would show off his colors. He, like, he has yes. so few, is so little pattern, it's like... It's very intriguing, but you kind of want more because his colors are that awesome. So, yeah, I don't know. And it's hard to believe that that snake is almost is eight years old. Yeah, dude, you got to think about that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting downstairs. Um, uh, Venus just had her pre-lay shed, and she's in 09. You know? Holy shit, yeah. And it's like, oh, right. Oh, oh, shit. It's like, yeah, it's here we go. 
So um, I'm going to see how well she can lay at 11 something years old. So, yeah. So, yeah, I have uh, two clutches on the ground. Um, I'm expecting um, an outcross granite. Uh, that should be nice. any day. Um, I have uh, gelatin jungles again. Nice. Um, that should be any day. Lightning line jungles again. Um, nice. That should be any day. I have uh, one that should be pretty exciting is a granite zebra to a caramel granite zebra. Lost me. Uh, so possibly <laughs> a, uh, a, what do you call it? A super zebra granite caramel who knows let's see what that is um, it's a something it's gonna be a something i got so. the diamonds still uh, there you know. go now you have me back again yeah um so, yeah and i think there's one more and i can't remember uh cool yeah so yeah there's um there's a couple the, the, the darwins um it's like on the fence man there's kind of a weird a weird yeah. one to breed but you know My, mine's not doing anything i mean i think ghost is just so He's a mouser. He's smaller. And then that citrus tiger head albino female is just big. And I'm like, hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, I'm not really putting my heart and soul into the albino project anyway. Right. I mean, right now I got a super caramel jag female that's going to drop. She was bred to a tiger. Um, I got the Woma. I have potentially the olive python. That's cool. Um, I have... The other tiger that was bred to my super caramel jag male. I have my caramel that was bred to a caramel jag boy. So there's been a lot of shit going on over here. And then I have a potentially another jungle clutch. And that's not even counting because the colubrids have just like they're just actually starting to get their act together. They've been together. They just haven't been doing shit. And now they're finally like, oh, female. And it's like, God damn it. So, um, uh, we'll see. I mean, one of the rhinos looks huge. So, um, okay. maybe, yeah, that's cool. Or I could just fail on all of these things and then just, <laughs> you know, produce my three clutches of coastal carpet python, therefore committing to the status quo. So, uh, ah, uh, the status quo yeah. anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, should be some cool stuff hatching out this, uh, this year. Um, you know, all around, I think, uh, one thing that kind of took my eye was uh joint pairing with uh eric kohler jason bale and, and i forget who else they're working with but uh they got hypo to the the tiger. yeah the tiger so that should be cool hypo tigers nothing wrong with that um well i mean there's something wrong with that i don't have the money to buy them that's what's wrong with it so yeah my guy didn't go i don't think but asshole uh, he had one job that's okay of- no, it's fine. It's fine because I'm going to fail on I'm going to fail on rough scales this year. So, right. you know, you can't produce hypos if I don't have the roughies to pay for it. That's right. So it's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, it should fine, be cool. God damn it. Um, but uh, let's. Uh, I don't know. You have any? Oh well, I want to throw this out there. Good. I mean, I don't know what the future is going to hold. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like in three months from now. Um, mm. But. Uh, I don't know what has going to happen with Carpet Fest. So, guys, I mean, let's put it this way: I don't think we're even going to get to the point where we can hold large events by August. I mean, maybe things will loosen up and maybe things will calm down, but I don't think it's going to be clear enough for us to have the large scale event 
like cleared. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think maybe it'll be towards the end of it. Maybe we just put out a t-shirt that says carpet fest 2020, the lost year. And <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. It's got a weird logo. We'll talk to Jeff Frederick about it. And, you know, we'll just try to do what we do and try to, you know, uh, we'll have like a virtual, um, carpet fest or something like that. Uh, you know, just kind of like a, uh, just kind of like a cool thing where people can go, I don't know, hang out online or something like that. Have a scheduled meetup or something like that. And it sucks, but you know what? It's, I'd rather err on the side of caution than push it and then have something happen. Like maybe somebody gets sick or something like that. So at this point, unless you guys hear from us, it's a pretty much a safe assumption that uh carpet fest will either be canceled or postponed. Um, and then we'll just see how it goes. You know, maybe we'll have a October carpet fest. No, you're going to be in Australia again. Cause you're leaving me. You bastard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was say, well, you can, <laughs> I will, I will. Well, well we can have fine. one in Australia. I mean, fine. you know, we I could do that too. Do that. I already explained <laughs> this again. Yeah, I know. So it, yeah. Um, We'll just see how it goes, uh, but we don't want anybody buying like plane tickets or trying to get off of work for it and stuff like that, being that it's so up in the air. So just assume that Carpet Fest, the Northeast Carpet Fest will be canceled or postponed. So, yeah, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. We'll see what, uh, you know, like you said, and we'll go from there. But uh, if we change, if we about face on this in July, surprise. So, yeah. Does Whatever. that mean that next year we don't get to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of Carpet Fest? <gasps> oh my God, we're behind. It's like, no, we can't do that. We can't have the 10 year anniversary of the show and then the ninth year of Carpet Fest. We have to do something. It's not like, our fault. 2020 is lost. So it's going to be yeah, the lost year. You know, the lost and then year. When we decide to quit, we'll throw one more year into it and then, yeah, uh, then we'll, we'll make quit. that to it's, 2021. <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there a lost t shirt year like where we just had a Carpet Fest but didn't have a t shirt? Yes. We have to we have to make some we have to get some t-shirts going. We have to get the lost year. We have to get the uh, uh, the um, the lost t-shirt order, and then we have to get the lost year t-shirt. Right. So yeah, get well, on that. Yeah. So that's that. Just so you know. Uh, but stay tuned for details, and maybe things will change. I don't know, but uh, it is what it is. Until then, we live for the moment. And tonight, we're talking about Darwin Carp. Darwin with us. Yes. Yeah, so, Darwin. The carpets that are found primarily in Brisbane. <laughs> Shame on no? you. No? No? Oh, shit. <laughs> Already ruined the episode. God damn it. <laughs> I know they're brown snakes and all, but also known as Also known as imbricata. Yes. So. Oh, my God. You're striking out. Um, yeah, get out. Get off. Yeah, just leave. <laughs> so I want to take you back to a time. And there was a oh, time God. when there was no Darwin carpets available <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> there was not such a thing. There was jungle carpets, there was coastal carpets, there was poplin carpets. And there was in between. <laughs> and there was diamond pythons, and there was bread lie, and that was it. There there bread, was no Darwin. But bread lie were expensive as shit. Yeah. 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 They were. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, there was there was rumors of an albino Darwin carpet um over in Europe. 
mm. and um, that they would be making their way to the States. And I just remember that there was a group of them for sale and it was like $120,000 for this group. And I'm yep. thinking, I will never be able to able this. to get one. It's and it's funny because if I remember correctly, some of the first albino carpet breedings in the U.S. were Darwin to IJ. Yeah, like they they were they were they were outcrossed. They weren't pure Darwin, no. because then the market went up, and then two years later, all the pure albino Darwin stuff showed up, and the market went down. So it was, yeah, yeah it was kind of a weird. Yeah, it was a weird thing. I remember when the first albino carpet was hatched in the states. Uh, yeah, the dude wrote a Chris reptiles magazine thing about it. Chris Proctor, right? That yep. Was his name? Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sopek serpents. Yes. Yep. Um, and that was a kind of a big thing. Um, and um, you know, the thing that I kept holding on to was, you know, the albino was cool. Um, I really did like what I was seeing with the albino. When you're looking at like an albino berm. Or an albino ball python, um, you're sort of looking at two colors, right? <laughs> Yellow and white. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For a carpet, um, you got some orange in there, some pinks. Some you got purples. Some, some purples. You yeah. got some color. Yeah. So uh, it just seemed that you know that that to me uh, they were like an amazing an albino python, you know, um, and I I think that attributes to just the color palette of the Darwin carpet. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, I remember um, that, uh, you know, I, I remember wanting them. And I remember a lot of people comparing them to Poplin Carpets, IJs. Um, I remember that, you know, people kind of brushed them off that they were the same thing. And for anybody that has them knows that they are not the same thing. They're, they're, yeah. they're not. I mean, they don't look the same, you know. Um, I, in my experience, Poplins have more of a head stamp where Darwins don't. Um, mm-hmm. Darwins are a little more flighty. Um, yes, they seem to be a little bit uh, edgier, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Not aggressive, not anything like that. Just, just a little more, you know. Like I don't know. They always seem like they want to like bolt out of your hands. You know what I mean? They're not the the the, the take no shit attitude. Correct. And um, the I mean, the only way I can describe it is they act like a python that has not had multiple breedings in U.S. herpetoculture to remove the python from the animal. Like it's they feel like an animal that's not as far removed from the wild as other carpet pythons. Yeah. 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 That's probably the best way to 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 put it. So probably um, why, you know, it's (laughs) yeah, because they're close. So. I guess it was around 2012, I went to Tinley Park. And when I went okay. to Tinley Park, um, I, uh, well, in 2011, I went to Tinley Park with Luke Snow. Right. Right? Yeah, Luke Snow. Yeah, some okay. of that, yeah. So, um, man, I can't keep track of these years, man. Oh, they all blend together. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we become uh, pretty good friends, uh, you know, um, and um, he had... Uh, gave me a little bit of a tip because he knew I was big time into uh, the IJs and that uh, Darwins were becoming available. So Terry Phillip had these uh, Darwin carpets that were, under, mm-hmm. they were, they were not het albino. They weren't unrelated to the albino line. Yep. Right. And I picked up my pair for $5,000. Wait, you, what? Yes. On Darwins? Yes. 
They weren't even hit albino? Mm-mm. No. You have you have made some decisions in your collection, sir, that boggle me. Yeah. And that's one of them. Yes. So the multiple that, that day where we went through your rack of bread lie and we went over to the fact that you had multiples of things that didn't make any sense. That was the other time I've because been I bought them player. in reverse. I know. <laughs> it was stupid. Oh, these are pos hat stripes, but you have head stripes down here. I have stripes below that. Why are all these here? Right. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. So so that was the uh you know, I didn't I never said that before, but now we're so many so many years away from that that it doesn't oh really my matter. God. But, uh, yeah, they were five five thousand dollars for the pair. Um, and um, they were unrelated. Like I said, they were not head on bino. Um, they were very banded. Um, little the, like when I got them, they were they were red. So Darwin's like I, I remember are, that hatch yeah. out red. Um, yes. And by the time I'm sure we they were, were so well behaved too when they were babies at your house, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I went to pick them up. Right, uh-huh. and I had them paid off, and yeah. Um, but what had happened is that somebody—I'm not going to mention who—had <clears throat> dropped the price in half. Oh. So Terry being right. the, Terry being the awesome guy that he was, he gave us two point two. So I that, remember that. Yeah. So yeah. it was a big uh, it was a big thing because, you know, at the time the price. You know, was was holding pretty steady for something that was not available. You know, um, right. But then, as people did, the cheap way to get an albino, you know, a male and a couple hats. Yep. Um, they kept getting normals or pos hats or things like that, so they just sold them off as normal Darwin. So that killed the price. Yeah, and the other part of it was is at the time it was right when the morphs were really picking up steam. So the morphs right. were picking up steam. So everybody's taking albino to zebra and jag and caramel and you know yeah. anything that they can put it with to try to well, produce an albino something. What's well, the problem is that you know the albino pops up, and now we are going to try to play catch up on all because we, we we had the jag. Which was like spider, but, you know, it, it set us aside from things like boa and other crap like that. So now that we have albino, we have something that everybody else has. Yeah. And then on the heels of albino comes caramel, which kind of acts like hypo. So now everyone's got this fever of – and also exanic. Sun so Exactly. Yeah. Sun glows, snows, ghosts. Like everybody starts churning that stuff out. And it's funny because now we're sitting here. We're sitting here right now in 2020. We still haven't really hit that stuff yet. Like no. <laughs> where where's the sun glows? I mean, is it because everybody kind of just give up on it? Because like I don't really see that many even caramel albino. You know what I think it is? Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, – so I, I have a caramel albino that I produce. You do? Um, yes. And it's, yeah. it's not as good, is it? It's yeah, you know. I mean, again, this is why I say that Australia, um, especially with the when it comes to the morphs, they're so far ahead, so much further. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they're they're producing you know caramel albinos that just you know they're just amazing. They just yeah, but they've. They've selectively bred their caramels to be something yes. set aside from the hypo, yes. and then they've they've got other things like I. All right, so let's say we make a 
ghost. And you see me using my hand signals. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that's cool and all, and that's what we all want. But, you know, a sun glow in a coastal right now, it's going to be a mix. Now, the same thing's going to happen, like I said, with the albino. Like, the mixes came over, people messed around with it. Then the pure came over and it killed it. You know, we could make sun glows, but then in the next couple of years, if ever it does happen, the coastal albino shows up. Now, who's going to care? And let's say that those sun glows look different. Yeah. And they yeah. will because the albinos look different. Right. So. Yeah, and and you know, for me, my first albino carpet was um, was actually a cross. Um, you know, I didn't yeah. get a pure uh, Darwin albino until later on. But um, I I have a pure albino albino Darwin male, mm-hmm. and then everything else is a mutt because I got the albino the citrus tiger head albino from you, and then I have the one that shall not be named. So. <laughs> The albino jag. Right. So it's, you know, it's just like, I, I would love to get another albino Darwin, but again, my heart's not really in my albino project. It's, I love an albino carpet and I will always have an albino carpet because I think I like something in my weird lizard brain says I have to have one. Just nostalgia, so, I think. It is. Um, but I'm telling you right now, the second albino coastals hit these shores, I'm selling them all. Like, I mean... <laughs> I don't blame you, my friend. I'm gonna priority. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like you know, postal service put them in a bubble envelope and drop them off at your house, kind of deal. Right. Like it's, it, it's just the way I'm wired. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's um. So another quick side note from when I picked them up from Terry. Um, yep. That was the first time I met Rico, and uh, the Contro yeah. Coalition was at Tinley. And if you're a Condro fan out there, that was uh, that was pretty impressive, man. That was to see. Let's see. So who was in the Condro Coalition? You had Terry Phillip. Yep. You had Rico Walder. You yeah. had um, uh, Marcia. What's that? Was, there? was it Eugene there? No, he wasn't no. in that. It was. Uh, um, oh my God! I can't believe you I'm said Marcia. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh my Don't God! Worry. We'll just judge you harshly later. No. Hold on. A young Bill Stiegel, full of life. No. Mm. No? No. All right. I'm sure Bill was doing reptiles, but I did not know Bill at that point. Um, He's probably breeding his um, Candino. Marshall Marshall Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that, but I wasn't sure, so I was just going to let you flounder. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly I did. I'm helping. It's (laughs) it's been a rough couple weeks, man. My brain isn't working correctly. Hey, I am the best co-host you have. That's right. That's true. Yeah, see, that's right. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, And I remember seeing, like, crazy conjures on the table, 10 grand, you know. But isn't that the weird thing? Because don't you remember going to Tinley and we're like, I think there was like two times you and I went where there was like one dude with Condros. We're like, what the hell? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts, you know? Um, and, uh, I remember, I don't remember his last name, but he was, goes by Diamond Dave on the, um, on the, uh, MP forums back in the day. Right. And, uh, he had picked up, um, a Darwin from, which I'll get into this story too, but uh, he picked up a Darwin f- we that we got from Bushmaster, 
And um, at the time, uh, um, we were trying, <laughs> so me, Nick, and Kerry, and I think there was one other person, which I'm not 100% sure, went in and bought the clutch from, from Bushmaster. Um, because we didn't know what was going to happen to the price, and you know, back then yeah, it, was, but dude, it was so crazy with pricing, man. It was, it was. But nuts. then, right after that, you have the South African connection, and then everything's destroyed. Yeah, yeah. So that's when sort of the price really kind of dropped, and that's when you know, you know, a lot of people got mad and bitter because they they, 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 they invested all this money. I don't know. I was. I mean, I know I paid a crazy amount of money. You know, some people will say, yeah, oh, shit, but, that's a ton of money. But, you know, to me, I was looking at it as this is something that's not available and I want to get it. And I think they have potential. And the you were just that, happy you had the snakes. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, I was. I couldn't believe I had a Darwin carpet. And for the, some the people today, that tanking rooms on fire. Eric's like, I got my snakes. Yeah. Again. <laughs> you know, like back then, people, I don't know, man, they didn't really. They, well, they didn't really. I we're mean, going. I said people today. I guess should say that they don't really understand the fact that that wasn't available. That wasn't available. I mean, do you remember the MP days? They had the different um, uh, types of carpet python or Morelia and all the little little tabs that you could click on. Yeah. And certain ones you click on, there'd be nothing. Correct. Like one dude would post one thing, and no one would like. And Darwin was one of those ones where. Nobody posted anything, and it was just empty. And then the albinos showed up, and then it just spiked. Yeah. And it's uh, it's one of those things. The, the inland is very similar to this uh, yeah. to this progression, you know. I think um, the worst thing that could happen to the inland carp, inland python in U.S. herpticulture would be if, like, a morph popped out of it right now. <laughs> it's oh, like, yeah. It would just be – because you got to think about it this way – if inland had arrived with, let's say the silver pepper had not just happened in Australia, it happened in U.S. horticulture, and inland arrives with a guaranteed, is is silver peppered codom or is that recessive? It's recessive, right? Recessive, yeah. Okay, that makes it a little bit better. So let's let's change it a little bit again. So all right, let's keep it that way. So let's say it shows up with a recessive mutation in U.S. horticulture, we wouldn't have Mog and Schofield. We'd have inland. Because they would just get all wrapped up into each other because then no one would care. They'd be trying to take a silver pepper to whatever inland they could get their hands on. Mm -hmm. That's why it's almost laughable when people are like, this is my pure something. It's like, after the whole morph stuff, I mean, how many, we've talked about how many stripe lines got devoured by tiger carpet. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> and then how many other coastal lines just got eaten by Jag or Tiger? I mean, um, M-Pens were pretty close to just being gone. So. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's, um, so, yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's it's kind of like, well, for, for people that are in the carpets right now, it would be very similar to Imbricata. Right. You know, we can all dream of Imbricata. Nobody has them in the States. You know, unless there's somebody somewhere, somewhere that I don't know about that. I, I have six. I just never told you. Oh, um, but it's, <laughs> but it's, you imagine the imbricata coming and then having a morph on attached to it. So if the imbricata come and it's just imbricata, people are going to build projects based on what their animals look like, yada, 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 something like that, and start forking it off. But if they arrive with a morph, then 
the price of normal imbricata is going to drop because every time somebody breeds something, they're going to get the morph that they want plus whatever. So like what we said, imagine if Inlands had silver peppered immediately, they'd be breeding things uh, silver peppered to a bunch of heads to get more silver peppered. And they'd be selling off everything that was poshet as a normal inland. And that would hurt the bottom line. And then inlands would be, they they the market would crash on them until somebody started slowly building up the projects and going different directions on their own. Like the way Nick did with the Tiger Darwins and how, you know, you guys have had your one line that is not related to the albino stuff. But even then, that's a special niche. Like somebody's got to want those or care a lot about the animal in the base form, and that's hard. Yeah, I, I, and you know what? That's a shame. It's such a shame it because is. It you, is. Know, um, you know, um, especially after seeing the one that we saw in the wild. I mean, that thing was beautiful. Yeah, you know? was and it, it just goes to show you the potential of. Uh, well, yeah, but the problem is, then it also comes down to space. You know, I get it. You know, yeah, yeah you had to. Well. This is how I look at it. You know, if you're into like poplins, right? If you're into poplin carpets. I am not. Pretty, yeah, right. I know. And that's no. probably why you're not really a Darwin. Fan. You're right. But it's not, <laughs> it's not a far throw to, you're right. yeah. you know, have, to me, they're just, an, and who knows what's going to happen with, uh, you know, when the new book comes out, maybe uh, we'll have some new information. Maybe they'll be the same. Who knows? I don't know. Oh, if they're the same, I'm getting rid of them immediately. You understand <laughs> that? They don't breed for you. Oh, right? You monkey asshole! Oh, out, <laughs> out of this house. Um, <laughs> but uh, but 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 I guess my my point is is that like you know it's it's such a shame that um, people that you know are into like pop ones and stuff don't don't give them a chance or don't right. because again you know they're not the you know to. It's hard for me to say this because to me they're mm. cool, but mm. I can understand where they're not the flashiest of, of carpets. However, when you do look at the fact that there is only the albino that's in the States, right? And then right. you look at some of the things that people are working with, like Nick's Tiger Line, which is, I mean, they got like perfect stripes down the back. They're freaking amazing. And then yeah. you got the ones that carry that just popped out of his clutch where it's reduced pattern. Which, I love those animals where yes. it's like, it's, those are sick looking. And I mean, like he's produced those, like there've been a couple times at Tinley where they're there and nobody scoops them up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I would. Uh, that's something that I want to add to the collection for sure. Because to let's me, go to Tinley. You should stop going to Australia and go to Tinley again. What's wrong with you? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we have enough for the book. <laughs> and then who knows, you know, uh, you never know that, um, what could happen? Um, but there's, uh, there's, there's actually a, f- a co- I, I believe they're separate, but I know that there's the Black Princess line of uh, yeah. melanistic carpets, which is a recessive melanistic now, carpet. Um, my question is, if they, if they put Darwin's and IJ's into the same thing, doesn't that make you seem like such an asshole for those like people that bred the? I.J. Darwin crossed albinos and everybody like the market bombed. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, it yeah. bombed. And then like, hell, dude, like now you have you've granite albinos are not pure. 
Well, yeah, yeah, I guess if you're looking, okay, and we're just speculating that I you am. Know, this is going to be that way. We have no, no, idea. no I'm just going to make a thing that says that um, it's all the same and it will be <laughs> called, we call the Morelia McIntyre. So uh, funny thing is Morelia Spilota, yeah. at one point Morelia Spilota Varagata, which is what yeah. the Darwin, Darwin is. It is yep. um, was all like pretty much everything lumped into that <laughs> Which, besides well, diamond pythons bread lie and um it's, uh, southwestern carpets um, right so inlands were in there too it's like no it was the, no it's the dumbest shit in the world maybe inlands weren't i don't know i don't sure. know but again it was but anyway, still yeah. lumping is bad right and i think splitting to a degree can be bad which is where you know we had to find the happy medium where everything fits as it should, but of course, no one can agree where you draw the lines on splitting. So it's all a clusterfuck. Right. So I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. So they're also called uh, the Northwestern Carpet Python. You might hear them mm-hmm. sometimes called that, or the Darwin Carpet, um, which is probably the common name in the hobby. Um, as far as they, the, called, they called them Northwesterns when we were in Darwin, right? They didn't call them Darwin. I think carpets. So. Yeah. I think they did, yeah. I think they called them the Northwesterns because when we were in uh, Krakosaurus Cove, they had um, a bunch in a cage. Um, <laughs> they had like one albino in a cage. Yeah, right. It was like, it was like that's weird. It's like, um, ain't the biggest rough scales I've ever seen. I'm sorry, I've gone off a tangent where I imagined rough scales again. <laughs> so, holds <laughs> you in the rough scales. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so. so as far as, uh, so we're going to talk about the bloodlines real quick outside yep. of Australia. So inside of Australia, it's, woo, it's, tough. <laughs> it's, it's Australia. Outside Next. of Australia, <laughs> there's a, there's a few. First of yep. all, you have the albino bloodline, right? That uh, yep. people know. Um, I got mine from Nick who got his from Paul. Um, UK pythons, um, and they're descended from Blondie, right? So yes. the story of Blondie is uh, she was a it was an albino um, Northern Territory carpet, um, and as the story goes, she was originally found about I don't God, it's more than sixteen years ago from my notes. Uh, it's probably maybe like twenty years ago, maybe in a caravan park outside of the outskirts of Darwin. Oh holy shit! I yeah. forgot. And the yeah. lady was washing dishes in her in her caravan uh, when she looked out and she saw a strange little python wrapped around her curtain. She reported it to Park and Wildlife, um, and she was uh, saved to become a resident of uh, Territory Wildlife Park. Um, and uh, that was, I think, that's like forty minutes outside of Darwin. Seven See, years. this is why when we're talking about how eventually shit will make its way over here mm-hmm. and people are like, you're crazy, it it's here. Like, all, all the animals that are descended from this one freaking animal that was found at a car park, like, I mean, come on. Right. Eventually, we will get Owen Pally Python. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. By the way, one day. side note, you saw that one. Oh, my it up. God, oh, I was so yeah. happy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so uh, eventually, she came into possession of Simon Stone and right. uh, went on to produce the albino morph, um, and that's sort of like how that came about, you know. Jesus. Um, but that's uh, that was Blondie, and um, yeah, I think for a while Blondie, or at least a descendant of Blondie, was at um, the Australia Zoo, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember a post maybe a couple of years ago that she had died. Yeah, I mean. Can't Which live forever. Sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, 
But yeah, but no, she, I mean like a twenty-something-year-old carpet, and who knows how old she was when they found her? Because I mean, she was living in the wild, and that's just it's. That's what's nuts is that um, albinos in the wild lasting as long as they do without camouflage. That's insane. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, um, the, the so that was the main bloodline that was uh, in the U.S., which was the um, you know you had uh, the the albino, which a lot of people were like crazy about, you know. Um, but right. then you also had a, a small group of people that were excited about just getting the hats, you know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, oh, yeah, it's cool to make an albino, but I want the normal-looking Darwin as well. Um, mm-hmm. Then uh, I guess the next blind what I talked about was uh, Terry Phillip. He had yep. a bloodline. And it turns out, which this is where I kick myself in the ass, is that the first year was one bloodline, and the second mm-hmm. year was another bloodline. Mm-hmm. So there was two bloodlines. Right. Two unre- pair, unrelated to albino. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that would have been three bloodlines that we would have had in the U.S. Yeah. So I had both bloodlines. Luke Snell had both bloodlines. And I, th- I think Luke lost the female of the second bloodline, and I actually lost the pair. Because turns out that Darwin's were a motherfucker to get to go to eat. And especially <laughs> since they were so, you know, so close to the wild. Again, again, it's they have Darwin's are the closest you can get to wild caught direct from Australia. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had those and uh, I had those. And, and then the first pair that I had, I went to go to breed mm. two years ago. Um, which was that Terry Phillip bloodline. Turned out that both of mine were males. (laughs) (laughs) How many times has that happened to you? (laughs) God damn, man. Too many times. That's for sure. I mean, like, no, because like you have these animals, you're like, oh, it's finally time. And then combat or it's like, I mean, that lasted that. I haven't seen combat in quite a while. Right. And then 2018, I went to breed them. Yeah, and is it instantaneous? It was instant. I love it when like, it's that oh, quick. Oh, dude, it was like you just could see them perk up. They're like almost like <laughs> raise their head like a cobra type of thing, and they're just like boom, you know. And then you're like, oh, 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 no, shit. It, well, I, I know that happened to me this year. What the funny thing is is that uh, I told you about the male that ended up combating had been in with a proven breeding male for three months, and I'm like, what? Wait. Like, why were you guys like, why were you cool with this? <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, the other part of this is, is that a lot of people will say, you'll hear people talk and just on a side note real quick, I'm going to try to make it a point that I don't talk in uh-huh. um, definitive talk. Oh, I hear a lot of times hey. people talk and when they talk, they, 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 and I, and I do it too. But I, but I've noticed it more that people talk in definitive like you know this is the only thing that is the only thing like they and and it's not correct <laughs> you know what I mean it's 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 not right okay anyway we'll go we'll we'll talk of that on a me and you episode all right, all right, okay, all right. so anyway <laughs> the idea that there is not carpet pythons from Australia imported into the U.S. legally is just bullshit. <laughs> well, that is bullshit. There are. They are not there are all certain, smuggled in. No, but there are certain rules and regulations. Like um, a lot of zoos are have access to Australian species, but they have to sign certain 
documentation that's saying that they will not let the animals go in this place and that place. And that opens up to every AZA accredited facility in the United States. And you would be shocked to see what actually an AZA accredited facility could be. And the thing is, is that a lot of times when certain animals overbreed and get to the point where they are not you know, uh, there's a website out there when you're an ACA accredited facility where you can list animals that you kind of want to find another home to place in because you want to, like, redo that tiger habitat and you got one 13-year-old still hanging around or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when those get filled with a certain type of animal, you see it. Like, it, it just gets massive. And you got to think about it. Every animal in an ACA accredited zoo can be put on that list. So sometimes you see like Honduran milk snakes and shit like on that list because they have Honduran milk snakes in the reptile house. And sometimes they have babies. They're like, shit, what do we do? Like, it's one of those things. Um, when those kind of get filled up, the ACA zoos can then kind of trickle down to other certified things like ZAA, other stuff like that. They have to get a whole bunch of approval before they do that kind of crap. And, other facilities that are different forms of accreditation might have looser rules and different stuff like that. And then eventually, you know, animals do get into the public hands. Like that's how that happens. Sure. So, so the, the one line I'm talking about is the one that came from Bushmaster. So right. 2007, um, male, um, that was Hepfer albino was produced mm-hmm. at the Swedish zoological facility. Um, from founder stock that was legally right. exported from Australia. It's reptile park. That's the other thing is that certain zoos in Europe and other countries don't have as lax of rules where of letting animals go from the zoological parks to the public, especially if, like, again, if they just set up to have, like, oh, we're going to put two albino carpet pythons in this really cool setup, and then every year they're pumping out, like, 10, 10 to 15 eggs, Jesus Christ, get them gone. Like, get right. these things out of here. They can, you can overwhelm a facility quickly. I mean, uh, was it, we were at um, Clyde Peeling's place. Remember, they had to set up an entire room just for cobra babies because yeah, the remember. cobra just kept laying eggs. They're like, shit. So, <laughs> you, yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's the, so that's like the Bushmaster line. Um, mm-hmm. And um, they, uh, I, I'm, they were so. I don't know. I, I guess I have to post a picture up over on um, our Facebook. Now, were they page. A, the same founder animal, Blondie, or no? I mean, where do you start breaking no. off into a different thing? Okay. Yeah. So this is a this is a different line. Okay. Um, and I believe, you know, I saw an interview with Gavin, and I thought I think I asked him about this, but there was another line of albino carpet in Australia that he was working with, and I believe he called it the Phoenix line. Now, I'm I think not sh- too. Yeah, and I think that this is where this came from. Okay. Um, so it's it's different from blonde. I'm not a hundred percent, but um, I think that's where that where that came from. Because yeah, he was talking to us about how he was like one of the first people to start working with the albino olive. Yes. Yeah. And shit like that too. So you know. Um, which yeah, he's he's going to be coming on the show at some point. Please, I know. Can we, we please we've been talking about this forever? But we just can't. Keith will be so schedules. mad at us if we don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so he maybe even be able to fill in the rest of that story. But um, yeah. this was the one that Nick um, called me and wanted to know if I'd be interested in going in with him and Gary King, 
um, mm. and buying uh, the clutch from Bushmaster. Um, and we did. And um, there was, at the time, I called it the poster child of Darwin carpets because it, it, it was, and I think this is where Kerry's reduced pattern came from. So there's most mm. of the Darwin carpets that you see are banded, like very strong band. Yeah. But with, with this Bushmaster line, they had these ones that were like almost like the, the, the brown, the dark brown bands, the chestnut bands mm-hmm. were almost solid down the snake. And you didn't have like those tan bands going th- through it. And they were more like portholes on the side. Um, so I have a mail. I'll post that up too in the, uh, on the Facebook page and uh, on um, the, what do you call it? Instagram. Uh, so for people can check it out and see what I'm talking about. But it had a different look to it. And everybody was really excited about the way that it looked. So I got a pair. And the male that I got had that reduced pattern type of look. And then the other one was very banded, like very, very banded. Um, but uh, they were Poss Hat Albino. Um, and uh, I, that's, that's the one that I'm waiting to see if she breeds this year. But we'll see. I think there's uh I think they can be a little bit tricky with um with Darwin's and I think it's because they're more of uh I don't know if they get as cold as much as they respond more to pressure changes because they I, come from a spot where it's you know it's either hot as dry hell. Yeah. <laughs> or it's wet. <laughs> right. Dry and wet. There is no in between. Right. Those are your only options. Right. I, I mean I would think that because we didn't it was actually kind of chilly the night that we found that Darwin and she was just hanging out on the branches in the middle of the, you know? Yeah. In, in the breeze, like, it, I don't know. So yeah. we'll get to that. Yes. Yes. We will. <laughs> um, so that's basically the bloodline and believe it or not, that's quite a bit of uh, genetic diversity uh, that you could play with. Unfortunately, the one Terry Phillip bloodline is lost. Um, but, uh, you know, we still have the other one, um, which isn't that weird when you think about it, where it's like, and that one's gone. Yep, so even quick. if you wanted to get into it, you can't too late. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, where are they found in Australia? Basically Darwin. <laughs> next question. They're found, um, they're widely distributed along Australia's Northern coast. Um, yep. I think they, in the West, they extend as far as like the Northern Kimberley district in Western Australia and the range to the East that, you know, that's where it can get tricky um, because along the Southwestern coast of the Gulf of Carpentaria, um, it's like the Eastern distribution is on the Cape York. It's difficult to define what's in that little, like that, uh, what would you call it? The little, the little, uh, right before you go up to the Cape York, like that little, roundabout right after uh, the Northern Territory. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, I do, but I don't know what the hell I'm going to... Yeah. Anyway, carpentry <laughs> are, you know, they're thought that are they found there or you know, is it um, is it one of those things where um, let me see if I can remember exactly how this goes. So the I think in the Barkers and Mark O'Shea attributed the carpets inhabiting that coastal area, the southwest Cape York Peninsula, to Varagata, mm-hmm. while there was a couple other people um, uh, placed the eastern limit for that subspecies at the base of that peninsula. 
Okay. Um, so they're basically saying at the base of that peninsula, some people say that that's where the Darwin Carpet ends. Other people say, like the Barkers and O'Shea, they're saying that they kind of swing around um, a little bit into like going up to the Cape York Peninsula. But as we know, now there's thought that those Cape York carpets are actually coastal carpets. So who knows? <laughs> oh, God, it's a, I, it's a Darwin coastal integrate zone. Right. <sighs> right. So it's, it's one of those things, um, you know, I don't know. Does it doesn't matter. Does it not matter? But um, pisses me off. <laughs> Figure it out, damn it. Yeah. Draw um, a line, and then everything beyond this point is a coastal. Everything beyond that point is a Darwin. That's it. They may never cross. Um, You know, uh, they can be found basically throughout the coastal areas of the Northern Territory. Um, Yeah. And what's oddly, what's strange about the Darwins, and Owen, you can attest to this, is that... I can. You know, everybody says they're everywhere. (laughs) I disagree. (laughs) I mean... God, that that was that was the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it it was. It's one of the, it, them and olive pythons. We were told we were going to be tripping over those goddamn things, and we didn't find any of them. Yeah. Um, it it's. It, I think it also depends on the time of year. I think the animals in the Northern Territory are very much of the sense of that they do not want to be out when the sun's up. So, you know. If it's even if it's a hot night, like if the sun goes down and it's still freaking hot, they don't want to move. I mean, we started getting lucky when rains came or when the night was cool or, uh, you know, that's when we started seeing the pythons. If it was hot, we just saw um, freaking uh, night tigers. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah. You know, you got to think about that. Where did we find each each python? We found the fog dam water python in the undergrowth where it was getting cold. Like it was cool. Um, we found uh, we found all those pythons in that one night when it was raining and when like the, the the jungle came to life early because it had been raining and it had been cold. We found the uh, the op, the blackhead, the children's pythons, all that stuff, mm-hmm. all around those same couple days, those two days. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Darwin, same thing. Like I said, it was it was the wind was blowing. It was cool. So I think a lot of the animals in the Northern Territory have just kind of figured it out that uh, if it's too hot, I'm not moving. So um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, one of those weird things where you think it's one way and it's it is not. It is, it not. is completely different. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, let's see what else do we got. So um, yeah, they. I think uh, you know the other thing that's interesting that um, that kind of stumbled upon. Um, actually, I got this from the complete carpet, but I really yeah. kind of looked, jumped into it. But you know, Darwin carpets are also found on the, a few of the large islands off the coast of the Northern Territory. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me because if you think about them being the clo- as closely related to the IJs. Like that, that's where the break would be, right? Like at some point they were joined and when the continents started to shift, one pair of snakes was on the wrong side of the ocean and, um, you know, and that's where it all started. So I would imagine that the animals that you would see on the islands leading up to Indo would be more closely related to the carpets found in the most northern part. 
just like how if we were to start finding islands off to um, the, uh, I guess it'd be the east of Australia, right? You'd find carpet, like coastals. Like, I think they'd be more closely related to that. Yep. Yeah, I believe that there are coastal yeah. carpets. Uh, if I were to find islands. a... Oh, really? Yeah. Are you telling me that we could get island locality carpet pythons of coastals? Yes. You could. Son of a, son <laughs> of a bitch. All right. Um, I need a boat, and I need <laughs> yeah, right? I need some time. All right? I'll figure this out. So, so. Uh, one of the islands is Bathurst Island, and one is uh, Melville Island. And um, I looked up um, the carpet pythons from there, and surprisingly, yeah. they look like coastal carpets. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, I think it's uh, Yalinga. I'm probably saying that wrong, and I apologize to all my Let's Australian so. friends. Um, but uh, that's one carpet python, and I'll, I'll post a pic of that as well. Um, there, but uh, you see no the carpet. one in the in the outline I sent you. But yeah, yeah, there are no carpets on like Tasmania or anything like that, right? No, not that I know. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just. I think it's too too far south, right? I think so. Yeah, it would I be. think so. Yeah. It's just the same thing with New Zealand. There's no like New Zealand carpet python. Not that I'm aware of, unless they were introduced. <laughs> like, Quick, somebody introduced them. It right. can't hurt the ecosystem that bad. Right. So, oh, uh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about, so, yeah, there's some interesting um, islands, uh, forms of uh, carpets. And you get that same thing at the, at the uh, southwestern carpet. There's some, uh, St. Francis Island is one that uh, that I think of that. Uh, this is like. Um, Imbricata. This, no, this is like Garrett potential. Like this is like going into finding out that there's like one rock with a tree, and there's like a population of carpet pythons on it, and I want it. So you know, um, I think it was Nick that posted up this picture, and yeah. it might be in the book. I can't remember, but there was a picture of basically, and this is kind of going off point, but this is southwestern carpet. But mm -hmm. you know, you find carpet pythons where there's trees, right? forest right. and trees and stuff like that when you're going right. down in the southwest area of australia you get to the null arbor plain the null arbor plain is pretty much just like barren rocks so you know I mean? yeah. it's just like <laughs> nothing there you know and he has this picture of like the very last tree right before the null arbor plain with a carpet python in it. I mean, it's like the very last tree before you just go to nothing. Oh, I can't go any further than this. That's such a great pick, man. That's such a great pick. I believe that's in the book, but I'm not 100%. Anyway. Um, he was holding on to that to book two, and we just spoiled it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's um, not true. Um, no. <laughs> so neonates, uh, they hatch out 22, 23 grams, average carpet size. Um, they um, they grow fast. Um uh, yeah, they're fast growing, um, and I would say the average length is probably five to six foot. Um, there are some larger specimens that have been found. There's a and these are Darwin's because yeah. yeah. and that's what's weird. You don't think about it. You think of Darwin's being more along the lines of IJ four to five feet. You know, maybe six foot for a big girl. Right. But you remember that one that we found that that thing was freaking massive. Yeah. Well, this is a funny thing, because in Humpty Doo, Northern Territory, <laughs> uh, which we, we, we passed there, we went there, I, th I think we went there. Didn't we? Is that where the, <laughs> was Humpty yeah. Doo where the Crocodile Hotel was, where we had to get your phone? That might have been, I'm not that sure. That might have been, I don't yeah. remember. But right. also, there was a hotel that was shaped like a crocodile, and that's where we had to get Eric's phone. Yeah. It's the greatest hotel ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so many great stories. Oh, so many time. great things. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> we'll air at a different date. Yeah, um, later. <laughs> so there was a gigantic specimen that was collected from there, and it was 10.2 feet, and it weighed yeah, 9.9 uh, pounds. Okay, so in 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 Australia, we we encountered two water pythons. One, I would say, is a normal, healthy sized water python. Correct. The other was an olive python disguised as a water python. I mean, like it Correct. was. So I think. Like any other animal, you can have some that just find that that sweet spot where the prey's good and they get huge. Now, is that going to be a healthy, breedable animal? Fuck no. But it, is it going to live and be massive? Yes. So, um, I yeah, man. Like it's like, how, but the problem is that people tend to take those extreme cases and peg it as that is the maximum length for the species. It's like. Ask anybody how big a Darwin, how big a diamond gets, they'll say ten foot, and it's like that's not true. Like they shouldn't get that big. So right. yeah, yeah, they. Uh, so yeah, that's the the biggest one found. So I'm sure that uh, it's just like people, man. Some people are big, some people are small. You know, yeah. Some people I mean, are if you hobbits, if you some people yeah. are giants. <laughs> if if you live in the botanical gardens and eat nothing but possums and bats, you're gonna get fucking huge. Right. Like yeah. Um, so they hatch out, um, they hatch out red and they go and they're almost patternless. Yeah. Really kind of strange. They go through an ontogenic, ontogenic color change, um, into adulthood and they typically are banded with tan and black bands. Um, you know, they have orange and yellow. Um, like I said before, sometimes they're confused with poplin carpets, but you know, the pattern on the head, on the top of the head fades as the snake matures. It's almost unpatterned in a lot of individuals that I see, at least on the bloodlines that we're working with. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, the, uh, they have the black stripe that passes through the eye, which generally terminates before the nasal scale. So that's a typical look for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have big, chunky heads, um, which is the girl that we, I'm assuming it's a girl, but the one that okay. we saw. Remember how big her jaws were, and like yeah, she was had those huge. big fat muscles in the back of her. Yes, oh, she was an amazing snake. Um, obviously, they have a prehensile tail, which you know, which this was a cool thing when we were talking to Gavin. You know, he was talking about, and I'll let you tell this story because I know you love it, Owen. But I he do. was talking about how you know Darwin carpets that he was tracking when he did his thesis um was spent, <laughs> they bred and spent most of their time in the trees um and they never hit the ground so they're yep. highly arboreal uh carpet pythons so if you were to make an argument about keeping them they would be the one species that I would say that keeping them in a tub you might be doing them a disservice and you probably want to give them some kind of perching of some sort um mm-hmm. and they'll they'll enjoy it quite you know a lot but go ahead tell the story Owen of the barbecued well, carpet <laughs> oh my god well i mean it was the funny part about uh when we went herping with Gavin after dinner is like he's like i wasn't prepared but let's do this and we're like all right and we found the Darwin, and you guys had all the cameras and stuff, and I was just letting you guys take the pictures because, you know, I, I my camera skills suck. So I was just like, ah, I'll let them take the pictures. So Gavin and I actually kept walking is like you, Keith, and Rob were taking all the pictures of that Darwin girl. And we're looking around trying to find other stuff. So he starts telling me about 
the research he did in the botanical gardens with the Darwins. And the first thing he tells me, he's like, oh, man, he's like that tree right there. He's like, I was came up here and he's like, I was doing this at night and I'm trying to scan some stuff. And he goes, I see my one of my carpets is, you know, wrapped around a bat. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, it's going to get a nice little meal. And you know what? It's probably going to be sluggish. I'll get back here first thing tomorrow and I'll be able to do what I got to do because, I'll, you know, it'll be like, oh, God, and I'll just do what I have to do. And he said, he came back the next day and the Darwin was still in the same spot with the bat. And he's like, Oh, and it turns out the bat had bit through the Darwin's head and killed the Darwin as the Darwin was constricting the bat. And the two of them had died together. And he's like, son of a bitch. And I'm like, that's horrible. I'm like, I'm like, that's the worst thing that happened in your research. He goes, Oh no, let me tell you. He's like, he says he comes in one day and he's scanning a bunch of stuff. He's looking around and the botanical gardens in Darwin is set up like you would see a botanical gardens or, you know, a, a, a city garden or something like that in the United States. It's gorgeous. It's got a couple of buildings, different areas that are planted with different stuff and have different kind of themes to them. And there's a bunch of wildlife walking around. So. But there are a couple of trees, too. So he says he comes in and there are these two you know, aboriginal guys underneath a tree with a little bit of a campfire. He's like, whatever. It's weird. But, you know, what have you? And he says he keeps checking the scanner and he keeps getting like closer and closer and closer as he's walking towards the guys who are underneath that tree. And he's like, oh, no. And he comes up. He goes, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, I'm just cooking something to eat. And there was a Darwin carpet skinned and on the barbecue. Oh, and he's and he's like, son of a bitch. He's like, All right, can I just get my tracker back? And they they cut it open. They pull out the tracker. They give it to him. And he's like, thank you very much. And then he just <laughs> leaves. And I'm like, that's horrible. He's like, yeah, you know, you're he apparently in his um, if you can get his thesis in his paper. Apparently, he said the first like three pages is just all the different ways the animals that he was studying died <laughs> while, he was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while he was doing the study. And he's like, I made sure that was part of it barbecued by two dudes underneath the tree. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. So but that was that was cool. And that was awesome. And then, I mean, we're walking around and we're doing the flashlights and he's checking up on these possums and what he called them were possums. And they were not what you and I would think were possums, but you know, a little furry critter and Brush-tailed possums, right? Brushtail. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, ah, oh, there's a possum. Yeah, I'll be a Darwin meal. And I'm like that big thing size of a freaking, probably a larger Guinea pig. Like it was a big animal. If yeah. you think about it. And he's like, yep, them, the bats. And when we say bats, we're talking flying foxes and things like that. And he goes, those are all Darwin food. And I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. So it was another, thing to think about with these animals is that they're primarily like you said those darwins in the park rarely if ever touch the ground they're preying on tree dwelling possums that are huge and uh bats that are huge and he said they might eat one of those and then not eat for months so yeah i think um you know in the wild i think that, yeah um, like their breeding is um so it happens, it takes place in late June or July in Australia, because mm. obviously they're flipped, right? Right. Um, they typically lay eggs between September and November, and the hatchlings emerge from their eggs January or February. Um, males do combat. But um, 
you'd think to, to, you know, like they have to be, imagine the strength of the muscle that they use if they're like spending the majority of their time in trees and they're eating their prey in a mm-hmm. tree, like they have to hold on with to everything. Prehensile tail. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the yep. strength of that. You know, that's always what's amazed me about snakes is how that they can function in an environment without, like, it's so foreign to us. It's so alien to how we do things. It's, it's you know, we use our hands and our legs and our arms for everything. And they just have a tail that they're hanging on to and they're taking down this prey that's, you know, let's, I mean, flying foxes, like you said, they're, they're not small, man. And they're not going, I don't think they're going down without a fight either. No, are you kidding me? You like, know? no. And that's, and that was the funniest thing. Cause do you remember when we got there and we're like, oh, we're going to stop by the supermarket and we're walking and we hear the uh, uh, colony in a tree? Yes. And then we're like, what the hell is that? And there are just people walking underneath this tree with bats the size of cats in the tree. Yes. And it's like, oh. They're and as then, big as my dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dexter, Roxy, yeah, yeah, that's food for them. But right. it's, I mean, even when we were doing fog dam, you could hear them flying above us. And they're not like you can hear the wing flaps and like them chattering and chattering to each other. They're big animals. Yeah. 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 So I think as, as, as young, young carpets, um, they're feeding a lot, probably on the same as most carpets are, which sometimes is why you have certain ones that can be tricky to get going. Skinks. Um, Skinks. (laughs) Yep. Skinks. Skinks. Little little dragons, lizards. Dude. uh, Yeah. Everywhere, frogs, stuff like that, you know, everywhere we were walking, uh, how many like you saw more skinks and little lizards darting every which way than anything else. I mean, I there, there were we saw more reptiles and birds than we did mammals. I mean, we didn't start seeing mammals until I think the smallest mammal we saw was the possum. Everything other than that was a kangaroo yeah. or dingo. Right. Like It was just like. Yes, yeah. they they have to be they have to be reptile eaters. Have and to be. When they're younger, I guess more of a juvenile phase. They feed a lot on birds. Uh, they've been observed feeding on birds. Um, there were a ton of little birds. I mean, you know, uh, uh, cockatoo um, nest would probably be fine. You know. Yeah. Um, they. I, and like you said, as adults, they're feeding on like. Flying foxes and brown anything, foxes, anything, whatever that comes past, whatever's know. right in front of my face. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, the, as far as their natural history, they're kind of, you know, that's kind of what they do. And I think, you know, in their environment, the thing that I took from it is that, um, like I said, the, the dry is extreme, you know, yeah. it's harsh, it's, it's, it's not an easy life. Um, but I would I would be curious to see what it's like when the wet season comes. But I know everywhere we went mm. and everything we did, there were signs that said that this would flood and this would flood and this would flood. And, you know, so you kind of had an idea of 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 what the environment would be like. But well, now think about it. That's maybe that's why they're so prone to trees. If the maybe. ground if the ground becomes water and filled with crocodiles, I'm gonna stay up in a tree. Yeah, like you know <laughs> that makes sense to me. Oh, they're just, so, they're a little yeah. smart too. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's there. I mean, 
And, and can you imagine you got to do most of the moving at night. You got to do most of the moving when it's cool. And then the rainy season comes and you have to quick do all your stuff and get out of there before you can't be on the ground anymore. You got to be up high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things, I think, with carpet pythons in particular, with that species of python, they seem to do very well with um, human um, disruption <laughs> to their environment. Um, the one was, the, the Darwin was hanging over the sidewalk. Yes. <laughs> like, it was on a tree in the edge of the park, hanging over the sidewalk, almost in the street. Like, that's where it was. It yeah. was just But it was really chilling. high up. I mean, yeah, next to the power lines and stuff like that. It didn't give a shit. So yeah, and um, interestingly enough, it wasn't like it was perched, um, like you would find. Uh, it wasn't chondro. It wasn't chondro sitting. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like you know, and this is why I think that a lot of people see carpet pythons liking shelves and stuff because I think they need to feel more secure. So it was right. almost like she was on like, um, you know, like the branches kind of forked in a way that kind of made a platform and she had she's kind of coils on, you know, several different trees. Like it was like, right. she was almost like in a basket. Like that's where they all conjoined and she was just there. Right. So yeah. And interestingly her pattern and her, you know, when you look at the, you know, where we found the one that we found that the, there was a lot of like, you know, the foliage was uh, kind of like dried out, like, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of dying a bit. Um, and uh, it looked like you know perfect camouflage. You know what I mean? Thank like, God uh, Gavin was there because we wouldn't yeah. have, we, we wouldn't have found shit. Well, remember you... the first time we went there when we were there in the beginning. You know, right? We went and we searched that entire park and we didn't find right. anything. We didn't find shit, and I got attacked by that bird that was nesting. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I think the thing is though is that we were looking on the ground. We were. Uh, you know? We. We, we changed our tactic midway, and we had better luck. When you're walking and looking for stuff, look in the trees. When you're driving, look in front of you on the ground, you know. What was interesting, too, um, and this is something that Gavin pointed out to us, and again, this is, uh, you know, this was, this was like, imagine going to school and, you know, like it's one thing to, to open a book and read a book about the snakes that you're into, but it's totally another story, man. When you're in the environment looking yeah. at an adult yeah. and having the guy that like studied these snakes in the wild for Where, years, you know, it, and I, it's kind I, of telling you what they do. You know? I really can't say no enough about Gavin because I mean, like he went out to dinner with us <laughs> like four nut job Americans <laughs> yeah, right. that he had no idea who the hell they were and he was totally cool and I mean I guess you know being a herp nut transitions over many different ranges because you know we're all talking stories swapping pictures and all this other stuff and everything kind of loosened up and then he was like yeah man like it went from let's have dinner to let's freaking go. I'll show you guys. Let's do this. And he's like, oh, I wish you had told me. Right. Or like you should have called me the first net. I would have gone with you all these places. Like, right. damn it. He would have got so, us that olive python, man. Damn he right. Was saying that, that, you know that road. We should have found them. You know, Dorat yeah. Road. We should have got them, but we, we didn't. got an echidna on Dorat Road. I'm okay with that. By you the know, way, there's yes. a new series. Yes. Yeah. Did you see the link that I sent you? I don't know which one was that one. As everybody said, is stuck. In yeah. uh, you know, in their house, looking for oh, something, that one, yes. something to watch, right? Yeah. 
actually, Nipper sent me this a while back, and I couldn't find it. And then there was um, so there's a podcast that um, it's uh, Australian Geographic, mm. and it turned out that the people that directed this series, it's the three part series, and the, they directed the series they were on there talking about. It. I said, oh man, it must have came out. So yeah. I clicked on the link, and sure enough, it's available over in Prime. Uh, like if you have Amazon Prime. I do watch it there. It's like seven ninety nine for the series, which is nothing, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, check it out. I promise you, if you're into Australian wildlife, you will absolutely love this. It's not really reptiles, a lot of reptiles, but you see the environment. It's, oh, it's beautifully made. And they focus on species of animals that, you know, you don't really, uh, there were some that I've never heard about, you know, <laughs> and what was cool is they showed like the black cockatoos and like, uh, and, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. for me, that kind of like hit home. We're like, oh, this is badass. You know, dude, it's, it, I, I never cared about a black cockatoo until we went there. And now I'm like, they are the diamond python of a bird, like in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I'll never own one, but man, are they pretty. Right. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it was yeah, the, the reptile and chill guys. They asked me, they're like, you like you seem to have been. You went to Australia once and fell in love with it. I'm like, I was in love with it before I went, and that just hammered that point home. So, um, yeah, Australia is it's an awesome spot, man. It God really damn it, is. the wildlife I, 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 that's there. Uh, there's another part of it, Owen, that you will quite enjoy. Yeah, it's kangaroos, kangaroos. Right there, <laughs> you know, that was something you and Rob learned about me. Yes, <laughs> yes. And <laughs> you weren't you did you did not know how deep that love went. Yeah. So yeah, you know what's crazy is is that when I'm watching this show, right? I can't. Dory's probably like, "Would you shut the shut hell the hell up?" Because I kept telling her like, "Oh my god," you know, blah blah blah. So I'm telling her all these stories of of all the stuff that happened as I'm watching this show. We saw this. We did that. We were there. We were near there. Oh my god. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, I would highly recommend going and checking that out. In that episode, the, yeah. the, the kidna. Goes into water. I never knew that. Yeah, dude. I, the, I, well, I there was that. <laughs> was the one that jumped off the cliff to get away from you. Well, I'm telling Dory that story, and she was so upset at that story. I, I must have not told her that story, you know. But like, here's this echidna, that poor little echidna, and he just he sees me, and it's like I'm so excited to be in Australia. It's it's our first adventure, and it's just like, oh my god, it's an echidna. And rather than deal with me, he just jumps off the side of the mountain, just like. Yeah, that animal chose death. It's like, well, it's like wow. And, okay. And that was that was the coolest thing because, I mean, like, I think at that point Keith was driving on Durat. Yeah. And because you and Rob were in the backseat, I think you had started falling asleep or something like that. Uh-huh, and I remember seeing it, and it was one of those double takes. It was like, the fuck is that? Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's like, because you don't – I've never seen one of them walk, and they have that weird gait, and it's a tiny little thing. And it was yeah. just – it was so cool. Very cool, very cool. So yeah. check that series out. You'll, yeah, you won't yeah. be uh, you won't be disappointed. There is a little bit of reptiles in there, but it's interesting what they talk about when it comes to mm-hmm. reptiles. And I won't spoil it for everybody, um, but uh, it's it's pretty cool. Anyway, back to Darwin. So back to, back um, to business. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the cool. What I was going to say is the cool thing about uh, the one thing that uh, Gavin shared with us is that mm. the way that the uh, environment is set up, right? You have these tall trees, right, where the adults are all the way up in the top of the trees, and they kind mm. of go throughout. They find their prey. They, they, they feel secure up there. They're away from people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the babies, 
you know, because he was saying that when they when they lay their eggs, a lot of them will lay them in in tree hollows, you know, and that's yep. sort of like a carpet python thing. You know, it seems like the more and more you look into carpet pythons in the wild, you know, they kind of take advantage of that. You know, bread lie do that, um, you know, in the especially in those hotter regions, it seems like mm-hmm. they get away from um, the heat. And that's those microclimates. So sometimes people have a tendency to look at, you know, weather data on the species that they're going to keep and they're not taken into consideration, you know, just because it's 102 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> doesn't mean that your Darwin carpet wants to be 102 It doesn't want to do that. It know? wants to be away from that. It's, Correct. It's 102 degrees outside, but where the Darwin carpet has decided to bed down, I assure you, it is not 102 degrees. Right. I mean, dude, that um, the one monitor we found, it, it, it spent... Ten, it, it spent like what two minutes in the sunlight with us on the road, and it was oh, overheating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, started to overheat. Yeah, it needed Which, to. We we let it we we let it run into the shade, and it started cooling down immediately. But you know that's something they need to think about. I mean, and every time we saw a monitor, it was low to the ground and trying to keep uh keep the temperatures low. So yeah, and uh, so you know. I guess being in the trees like these Darwin carpets would be, um, mm. you know, they can find a spot where they could still have coverage and still be able to, you know, find a basking spot, you know, in the, in it, just looking at the trees that mm. were in the botanical gardens, um, you know, these are huge trees. I mean, these are yeah, they're massive, massive yeah. trees, you know? So, um, I'll, well, again, I'll put some pictures of stuff that I that I took there in the botanical you do the, garden. You do the bull and I thing. Sun rises, you go to the top of the tree or just poke outside your cover. Sure. Warm up, and then when you know when it's noon, you go you go and you hide in the shade or get close to the base of the tree and just hang out. You know. Yeah. So there was like uh, what I, uh, this is what I was getting at. I kind of got sidetracked. Yep. But the babies will come yep. down to lower to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like mixed into the, into the foliage, um, you know, <laughs> just like just hanging out there, um, to cover and all, but they're not as high as up, uh, not, not as high up as the, uh, as the adults. Yeah. So um, what you have to do is start, start rifting through the leaf litter with your bare hands. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing about that night, I, I'll never forget this. And I know we told this story before, but we're mm. going to do it again. So yep. when we get to, we pull up to the botanical gardens, it's actually was closed, but we didn't seem to care. And, um, we kind of like, we went in and there was guards there and they didn't say anything to us. I think nope, it's because Gavin was shit. with us and they're probably like, yep. Oh, that's Gavin Bedford. We kind of, I mean, I was waiting, I was waiting for them to be like, uh, like the one time, uh, the cops pulled us over on Dorat. They're like, what are you guys doing? We're like looking for snakes. They're like, all right. And we're getting. <laughs> And we're getting ready to start keep explaining. They're like, and they're trying to drive off, and we're still talking to them. Right. We're like, all right, just let the cops go. They want to leave. Right. So, they don't want to yeah. talk to us anymore. Yeah, they, uh, that's all we had to say was looking for snakes, you know. Yeah, they uh, – so we're walking. Uh, we get out of the car. We cross the street. Yeah. Um, and then – so when we originally went, we went in through, like, the front entrance. So this time we walked up, like, up the, up the road, up the street. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, a back entrance. So we went into this back entrance, and we start walking up this hill. And I just remember, like, just trudging through the leaf litter again, not even thinking about, thinking about the venomous snakes that are in the <laughs> leaf litter. And we are just running through it, like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. We're walking through, we're walking through. And, and, and all of a sudden, 
So Keith and Gavin decide to go walk in along the um, along the path, right? And, yep. You know, they're looking up in the trees, and we can see their flashlight, but we're high up, up this hill, and they're you know walking along the trees. So me, you, and Rob are on on the uh, on the other side. All of a sudden, found one, dude. I never ran so fast. Poor Rob. I think we left him in the dirt, man. We just like, well, and, that's, and that <laughs> was the worst like part firecrackers. you and I turned around and you were running in front of me for a bit until I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I'm going to kick him in the ankles if I don't, right. I had to go further around because, you know, it, it, and then we, we ran down the hill and we're like, where? And Gavin's like right up there. Like literally he got out of his truck, crossed the street, looked, looked up. up and, and found it. Was. Like, yeah. it was just like, I think at one point, didn't he turn his truck headlights on and like shined it up on the thing? It was like, dear yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, he did. You know, it was and, literally right around the corner from where we were hanging out with him and the OP. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, we were in the, the spot right there. where we were, were right going there. up the hill where yeah. the, we were with the OP. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was it's it, it was a cool place. But you know the whole idea that you know, and we were in so many different environments where yes. Darwin carpets you thought would be, and we didn't find a one. That was the constant Not thing is that there could be Darwins here, there could be Darwins here, and that was a good thing about the trip. In in the whole point is that we would go places and it would be well, they could be here, or certain animal could be here, right. And then later at night we'd go to, or we then after that, after we tried to find it in the it could be place, we'd go to the place where like yeah okay we're gonna trip over it okay like um, uh, the Mertens like we're like the Mertens monitors might be here, and then we pull up to a playground and Rob's like they're here I'm like I don't know man where we where we just were at like that was remote that was wild I'm like I would figure and then we crossed the bridge and there were like 20 of them and I'm like son of a bitch <laughs> yeah like, they were like, everywhere man they're everywhere <laughs> they were everywhere remember Keith was like calling them from the jungle and he had his yeah. like, arms up and they just come running out he's like come my children exactly. like, you know, and then right over there kids are screaming and throwing things yeah. and these monitors are just laying there and it's just like this makes no damn sense so what you need to do is when you're going to go on these kind of trips and stuff Kill all the illusions of finding the animal in the pristine habitat that you think you're going to find it in. You won't find it there. You're going to find it like on a park bench. Yeah. Like that's just how it goes. So yeah, but it's it's just like you know I, I I know me and Rob have talked about this many times with just the whole idea of that they're they're all you know when you talk to I think and and this is what I, I equate it to I think mm. like if you're in the Brisbane area right and down in yep. that area where coastal carpets are I think carpets are everywhere right mm -hmm. so their perception is is that carpet plants are all over the place and like you know they're, they're just annoying they're on my fence they're in my pool they're in my <laughs> shed they're you know what I mean they're they're all Screw over the these place, things yeah you know? I got you but for Darwin carpets, to me, it seems like, and talking to people that have herped there, you know, I mean, when Justin and Nick went, they just found one right outside their hotel or whatever, like a little bit from there, but they didn't find yeah. another one the whole time. Um, and they went again to like some really, you know, pristine habitat where you would think, I mean, think about all those rock crevices and everywhere we exactly. went. Exactly. Dude, I mean, the same thing happens here. I went to, uh, I, I drove an hour and a half to go to this place where, you know, it, it's, if you open the book on like where, um, copperheads and timbers would be, this is the picture they like put in the book. Like this is their habitat picture. Right. 
Didn't find shit. Didn't find you. Shit. You go to a place five minutes from my house. You're like, I'm tripping over them. I'm like, I, <laughs> yeah, they were everywhere. <laughs> like, it's like that. It's like, you know, I, I've been numerous places where I, I'm like, oh, black rat snakes in my beer. I'm like, oh, cool. Strike out. I am leaving to go to my friend's house. And I'm in my backyard, and I'm like, why did I leave the hose out? That's not a hose. Like, it's – yeah, I just find it here. Like, and that's just yeah. how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I think I think for me, like, mm. watching that – I could have watched that Darwin carpet all night. I could have just sat there. I could have pulled up a chair, got myself a beer, and I would have been set, man. I just there, would have are... watched that thing all night long. That um, would have been cool. I wish we could have – First off, I wish I had trained to be like some sort of tree trimmer where I can climb trees and like <laughs> climb them. Yeah, right. But let's not get into that sore point again. Yeah. But um, I mean, dude, like I remember Fog Dam was gorgeous when you were. I mean, looking back, it was gorgeous when I was there. I was in like a fever dream, so like it was probably. Uh, I wonder if you had Corona. Um, Either one. I probably did. I'm probably the reason that the whole <laughs> pandemic's happening. But um, it's it's just one of those things where um, there's a lot of different cool miniature habitats. And, you know, we would we would come down off a mountain and uh, turn a corner and we'd be in this nothing, no cover whatsoever, hot as hell, savannah grass, disgusting, just broiling alive, tiny little lizards running around turn a corner and we're in next to a Creek and it's like a rainforest and it's like, what the hell? Like everything changes. So yeah. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. That that's true. Like you would be in one environment and then you're in mm-hmm. another environment. And then like before we found the frilly, we were going through that one place where it was like hot as balls, hot as balls could turn the path. And then you're walking down the Creek. I'm like, it's kind of cold. Like it's, yeah. you know, if you get into shade, yep. You're good. Yeah, you. You good. Think you were good. Shade next to water, and it was great. I mean, um, that's where all the bats were hanging out. And then it remember like it rained for a good like five ten minutes, and then that's when we started seeing like the frilly and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I think for me, this is mm. where it connected with me mm. that I wanted to move not and and you know this debate comes up all the time and it's it's uh-huh. it's old and it's done and i don't really and no care one cares. and it wasn't yeah. <laughs> it's not that's not why i'm bringing this up all right for me and this has always been my stance right mm-hmm. it has always been the way i thought like if you're keeping carpet pythons and you want to keep them in a rack you can keep them in a rack you can you can they can yeah. they will breed you know as long as you have the right size tub and all that kind of stuff and da 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 they'll be healthy they're happy whatever you know there's no issues right but for me, the, the idea of keeping snakes was always to have this little piece of nature that you could just like cut out for yourself. And like now more than ever, like at the time we are in the, in the, in the situation that we're in and with everybody being inside and all, and so much stress that everybody's under, and you know, for us, essential personnel. <laughs> I never yeah. thought I would be essential, but uh, apparently I am. Anyway, um, you know, to escape and to be able to come home and, you know, whatever you choose to indulge in and you just sit there and you watch your snakes um, and watch their behaviors and all. But when I was watching that snake in the tree, it just it just clicked with me that that's what I want to move towards. And not naturalistic. I'm not bioactive. None of that. I could care less about that shit. It, you know, I know people do that and whatever. 
but like to set up a cage to where you can watch it do what a snake does, you know, um, and to be able to see it, you know, because it still does what a snake does inside a tub. You just can't see it, you know. So like I have all these beautiful snakes that I don't get to see. Yeah, so, unless you open the tub and then you don't ever get to see them do their thing. And that's correct. that's partially why, like, I want to get uh, I'm still working on getting those shelves put in because I want to give them the animals in the big cages more floor space. And that's why I'm going to shift the roughies over to three footers because I want to give them more space to do what they want to do. And I'm, I was talking to Brett today about uh, getting those hide boxes that go on the top of the ceiling. Right. Of the cage. Right. Because I'm like, they might do that. That might help them, might do this. And then I'm sitting there looking at these arboreal cubes and I'm like, <laughs> I don't like them. I really don't. It's, they're cool for a chondro. They're cool for an arboreal species. But they're not cool for what I have. So uh, I'm going to move the roughies into bigger cages and then they're getting out of here and I'm going to get some more four footers. So, yeah, I think. Uh... I think in a way I'm kind of glad that Carpet Fest may be off this year, and I'll tell you why. You get a ch- chance to um, rebuild and correct. Uh, okay, correct. Hey, you know what's really cool, is, and we're thinking about this. I have, um, uh, I have my Blue Beauties in cages now, as opposed to the bins. And Beauty Snakes do something, and I, and I don't know if you've seen it. Um, they have a slow tongue flick. Yes. Where they just kind of stick it out, and then they move that it up and down. Was the one we held at Nerd, right? That it was a cave dweller we held at Nerd. Same type, but of, same kind of thing. Yeah, okay. same. You know, because I remember them doing that. They did the yeah. puffy throat and the the slow. Yeah. So my beauty snakes have now grown up, and they they aren't as nervous, and they don't do the throat throat thing or anything like that. They will falsehood and stuff like that, and every once in a while I'll catch them in an open mouth hiss. But I put them both together in these um, uh, four foot cages that are pretty actually pretty tall, and I want to put a shelf in those as well. But both of them were staring at me today, and they both did the slow tongue flick. And it was just these two snakes staring at me with their tongues out, ah, nice. slowly moving them up and down. And I'm like, I forgot how, much, how cool you guys are. So it's shit like that where, you know, they, they've been in a bin for a while, and I kind of, you know, didn't kind of lost the appreciation for how cool they were. So um, it's definitely very cool to have them back out and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, again, um, so when I would set up a, a cage for a Darwin carpet, um, definitely a lot of, um, you know, uh, perching. I would And mm-hmm. I would make it perching to where I would not make it like a straight perch, you know, like mm-hmm. the typical chondro type of perch or emerald tree bow or, you know, arboreal type of, of snake. And this is the thing with when it comes to carpets, like, you know, not to knock, you know, um, green trees, but you know, green trees really don't move around all that much. You know, well, they do at nighttime when I'm asleep and not in my snake room. So true, yeah, maybe. And, if and to be honest, or whatever. To be honest, roughies are the same way. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, your roughie it wants to bed down. You know, at nighttime I go in there and turn on the light. They're all over the fucking place. Okay. But it's well, it seems like with chondros, you know, they have two positions. One, the position where it. their head is in their coils and they're yep. and they're digesting a meal, or two, their head is down, you know, ready to <laughs> Pointing, pounce on something, and they're wiggling their tail at you. Yeah, yeah. it's you got two you know, options. But yeah, and let's put it that way. I mean, like where maybe a carpet python will be sitting out and just kind of chilling, they're at least out. Like they're 
Yeah, they're out and they're gonna move. Like my diamond yeah. pythons fascinate me, man. I mean, you wanna you want a snake that that God, takes advantage it, of the daytime. I mean, if I, I could redo in, my collection, I, know. I mean, I can come in here at any point, and they're always, you know, they're they're such, you know, creatures of habit, if you will. You know, like I got the big window; they they're mm. soaking up the sun. You know, they bask for a certain amount of time every day. I've said this multiple times, where like right before the lights, the basking light's gonna go out. Uh, for the night, they they try to warm up a little bit more. You know, it's just it's really cool. But if I was setting up a cage, that would be one thing that that I would really try to uh, to incorporate into a into a Darwin carpet python setup. Just from watching um, very you know limited ex- time in in the wild, but it just seemed that that snake was very happy and content up in that in that spot. Um, I guess it was far enough away from any kind of predators. Um, but, uh, I don't know if anything was going to mess with that snake that we saw. And, you know, it, for that snake that we did see, the colors on that thing were, were super light compared to like some of the stuff that, uh, that we see, um, you know, in the bloodlines that we have, but, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Darwin carpet. Anyway, uh, as far as like, you know, everything else would be like your typical carpet Python setup. You know, I don't think that they need any... Uh, more heat um you know i don't think that they um they need uh anything extra other than um probably if i if i'm well i do this now with with the the caging situation that i have they're at the top of my uh room uh, where it could be a little bit hotter um i think that they're tough snakes man um because they're dealing with the 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 dry i think that they can go quite a while without eating um Mm. You know they're just they're just tough snakes, and uh, yeah, I hope I was hoping that I breed them this year. Hopefully, maybe there's still a chance. I don't know, but I think they respond. In my thought, this would just be my thought, and I'm curious of what you think. I think they would be the type of carpet that would respond very well to um, pressure fronts coming in. I, I think so. I mean, you know, if if you live in an if you're from an area that's you know, you live and die by the, the rain season. I mean, like you have to respond to that kind of stuff. Right. But I mean, <clears throat> I think eventually as you start getting further and further removed, I mean, how many generations, especially with all the breeding that was happening over the albino, uh, I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. To, when you start to work in captivity, start, things start to change yeah. a little bit. I mean, but my, remember my when the... biggest regret is that I don't have giant windows in my snake room. If I, when I finally get out of this place into, you know, the place I want to get into, um, I want a snake room that's got tons of windows. Like, I want to be able to play off that sun because, I mean, I've seen a change with my, uh, all the pythons and uh, my Timors, when they can, they, they're out and about waiting because the sun comes through one of the windows where they are at. And I think the carpets would love that kind of shit. So, but again, like, dude, I think any any kind of python when a storm front or a snow front's coming through, they they know that shit. But I think Darwin's would definitely be ones that could key into that. Well, the reason I say that is because yeah. when Darwin's first came into the States, a lot of people had a lot of trouble with getting them to go, especially right. the albino stuff, you know, and it was like, what, did it have to be older? You know, there was some thought that they had to be warmer. 
Yeah, somebody thought they cooked the baby, the eggs to the point where none of the males would produce. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, at the end of the day, again, I think uh, I think they just, you know, they're just like regular carpet pythons. They're just in this habitat, and they try to find that microhabitat within that habitat. But I think yeah, of course. with them, very similar to what you see with popwins. You know, popwins, um, they respond. They don't really, they, them, the I think popwins are more similar to what you see with green trees to where they don't really need that, really that temp swing, so to speak. Um, but, um, you know, they, uh, they, they respond more to, you know, just a little bit of cold and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just some, some fronts coming in and the change in the, in the pressure, um, in the, in the, in the environment, I think really triggers them to go. Um, but, uh, Shit, now I lost what I was going to say. Um, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Gone. <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> anyway, uh, as far as, like, uh, you know, projects that I'm... Wor- oh, that's what I was going to say. At nighttime, what would you say? It's probably in the low 70s? I'd say so. Yeah. That, that, that That's not that hard of a stretch, which is what kills you is that... And we it, drop our snakes down to 70, like somehow that's... To breed. To like, breed. aha! <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of strange when you think about it, because every night been, that I was in Australia, I would say it probably got down into the 70s. Have Either, you been... When you pull your snakes out of breeding, Yeah. Have you? do you kill the night drop completely, or are you kind of doing what I'm doing now, where it's like, I really don't care <laughs> like i well i'll you tell know. you i've always done this i uh, think that you know and i found that my snakes respond very well to this i don't know if uh, this is why god forbid a knock on wood i haven't had a respiratory in- infection in god five years i haven't uh-huh. had any kind of respiratory infection in five years nothing no kind of nothing like no issues at all right um but i cut the heat off of everything at night all my heat turns off at night so whatever that room is, is what it is. So like this year, I didn't really drop temperatures per se, but I know the room dropped, you know, right. and you could feel that it feels colder, but the room temperature is probably. You just like set the stats to maybe like, this is the lowest, like if, if somehow by some weird thing that the room gets this cold, turn on. So my main heater yeah. in the room yeah. is at 70 degrees. So during breeding season, I turn mm-hmm. it off all the way. Just turn it off. Okay. So whatever happens during it, I mean, I make it down into the... See, and I kind of want to do this, but... 65, I, 70? I kind of want to do this, but I have I have the colubrids that aren't on heat in the python room. And I'm like... Mm. Well, yeah, that does... That, that, does, that does ruin that, yeah. Right. Um, Which is why when you're working with a particular group where you're not having, you know, you know, right. like a Noah's Ark type of scenario. I mean, you know, you kind of can can do that to where you can dial your in your room in for a particular species. You know, it becomes tricky when I mean, this can be done. Obviously, you're doing it. Uh, yep. A lot of people do it where they're working with a bunch of different species and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you, you you're not afforded those same type of things. Do I think that carpets need to go that low? No, I don't. But ha- after being in the environment, heat at night is not is not you know they don't need it. I don't think. 
And I think they respond well because they move. Like, you don't see them during the day. Yeah, true. And if you do, they're hidden. <laughs> you know what I mean? You stumbled upon it by accident. Yeah. I think that they just retreat to, they're trying to keep that body tempered. They probably come out, they bask for a little while, they get them heated up, and then they go and they hide. And they hide until it's nighttime. And when it's about 75, 70 degrees, they come out and they, they go around. And they, you know, I, it drops throughout the night. I remember, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me, the difference between, say, the Northern Territory and uh, Queensland was mm. humidity. You know, there was a lot more humidity in Queensland than there was when we were in the Northern Territory. Okay. It was just like heat. You know, <laughs> it was like heat, like hot heat, you know, it was like hot. It wasn't that hot in, um, in Queensland. Um, it was, it was blisteringly hot. It was like, you know, when the insects have to try to drink you the sweat off of your shirt to live, yes. it's a bad time. <laughs> so I think the hottest, a... remember, remember when we went on that crazy road that we made Keith drive on that was like... And I drove on it. Everyone forgets that I drove on oh, it. you on drove the way on back. it? On the way back, Keith drove down the road, and I drove up the road. Okay. Yeah. So it was rem horrible. Remember that <laughs> hill? Remember that walk? Yes. Do you that remember when we... was brutal. I mean, it was beautiful, and it was, it was awesome gorgeous. to get all the way to the top. You know? Do you remember when we stopped because we're like, oh, we're going to take a look at the uh, the cathedral, the termite cathedral stuff? Yeah. Uh -huh. And we're like, we get out of the car, we take two steps, we're like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was hot, man. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was not that hot in Queensland. It was and there were, not that and there hot. Were fucking horses hanging out, like, underneath the brush. And it's just like, how are these things alive? Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. It, when we started to go out towards Chilago which was, you know, going out west. And, like, when we did that, you, you kind of got a little taste of, of that heat. But, like, not when we were on the east coast of Australia. It was not. It was not that mm -hmm. hot, you know. Um, but we did go at different times of year. So I can't, again, I'm going back to my, I can't speak in definitives. I'm just, when I was there, it was, the environment was a little bit different uh, between the two. But the carpet python is finding that, um, th that's where they can, where they can be successful in that environment. Right. They're going to find the middle ground where they can survive and they can live. Yes. If, if a carpet python spends, if a Darwin spends its entire life sitting in the middle of the shoulder in 110 degrees, it will not live. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, uh, I vary the diet of my Darwin carpets. Um, okay. I vary them between rodents and birds. So you just go get like baby cockatoos to feed to them and stuff like that. No, I use uh, quail and chicks, um, but uh, they they seem to uh, love that. Uh, it seems to be, I guess, a treat for them, if you will. Um, Dude, I was it. I ran out of medium rats, I think, last year, and I had just, like I think I went to one show and somebody was like, "Mediums are this much. Oh, but quail are a buck a piece." And I bought like a ton of bags of quail and I fed them to my carpets and it wasn't like none of them ate the quail and were like, now I shall only eat bird. Like it. I never had that issue. I know yeah, some care. people no. complain about that with carpets, but I have. Dude, never... I think maybe some jungles, some point it's somewhere had a hard time shifting. And for now we're just like cemented in our way. Like I've had carpets go from mice to rats to 
chicks to birds, you know. You know what I think it is? Yeah. I think it's just that they were overfed. Yeah, thank you. I think so, too. I really I mean, do. I really think that we just overfed the, in the early days of keeping carpet pythons. We overfed the shit out of them. I fed them twice a week. I was a monster. Oh my god! Like you know, I shut up. All right, I did bad things. Okay, I I admit this. Yeah, I admit this. Okay, but and, that's a good thing, though. I mean, you know, we're not all perfect. I wasn't perfect. Yeah, you but think perfect, about it this way: we like, learned and we moved on. Right, that's how you do this. Plus, also, like right now, I got the babies downstairs, and I'm like every 14 days, if you're lucky. Bye. Like it's it's just the way it is, and I'd much rather. Feed them slowly and have them take their time growing up and maybe be behind in a couple of projects, but then have them live longer and mature fat, like immature slowly and get into it and then ha- be healthy and strong and able to support eggs and crap like that. Then rush it and kill them. So. Well, this will just give you an idea, right? Yes. Of to me. I mean, I, I put it all out there. I told you what I spent for my first pair of Darwins, right? You did. I have yet to breed them, right? Oh. So I haven't gotten a return on that investment, and I've bought more. And, yep. And that's right. because I've just slow growed them up, you know. And when they were, you know, obviously I had the male male issue. <laughs> that's, that is that, that's that always is, a kick. That is an kick issue. The, get kick over the yeah. nards, you know. But uh, right square in the balls, yeah. Yeah, but uh, everybody has gone through it. You know, it's no hard feelings. It is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not complaining about it at all or anything like that. You know, I can't tell you. I mean, you know, we'll look at our look at the stonewash bread lie. I mean, Rob yeah, he's over here doing his thing. Yeah. He didn't purposely do that. He wasn't like, oh, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. this NPR crew is gonna get screwed big time now. In four in two years time when he attempts to breed, <laughs> right? Um, right. But yeah, man. I mean, you know, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I just I think uh, I think that that's the way to go, and I think I I really equate that to why my snakes are healthy um, because mm-hmm. they are not overweight at all. You know, I haven't rushed them. Um, I feed my babies every fourteen days, but I also don't feed them when they cool down. When the room cools down, they don't eat. You know, they're they're all in that in that program, and that means that. I'm not going to have babies the same size. And that means that, you know, and this is, I've said this before, but this is always one of those things why I don't like selling snakes because I don't want to have to explain to somebody why, you know what I mean? Because then I'm trashing somebody else that like, why are their snakes so big and why are your snakes so small? Well, because they feed there's a lot. Next question. (laughs) You know, I don't don't know what to tell you. You want to buy it? You can buy it. You want to feed the shit out of it? Well, then you do yourself. But I'm going to tell you that my experience is, is that this is the way to go. You know, so much so that I remember talking with Nick and up until that point, he might have been on the on the side of like trying to, you know, feed him a little bit heavy. Mm-hmm. But like you've saw the size of the, you know, I have his Exanic Jag that found it, that produced a lot of. Yeah, uh, that Starscream is that. Yeah, Starscream's dead. A lot of the yeah. Exanic Coastals that are out there that you got from Nick. The breeder yeah. male is here and he is small. <laughs> you know what he I mean? Is. He is really small. His son is a bit bigger than him, so it's... Right. And that's just the thing is we're like... But I would say that your male has that mature head. Yes. That I think my male is just starting to develop, you know, and I've had... I think this past year I've had several boys kind of just come into their own where they've got, you know... Dude, and like I barely fed my males this year, like barely. 
and they're all beefed up and they're all like yeah. they've all got some muscle to them and they've all got these heads and I'm like y'all are going fasting again this year like I hope you know that we're beyond breeding season now ain't nobody getting fed like I'm I'm putting you guys all back in your bins and we're going to go back to the you know once a month feed for you guys yeah that's what I do I feed the males once a month probably you know I did this with Darwin's too I think probably with Darwin's cycle feeding would in my thought would be that it would work well because I think that they probably have a very uh, cyclical um, feeding situation just because of the difference between the hot, the, the dry and the wet. Um, I would imagine that during the wet season, you're going to have, you know, everything's going to be alive again and you're going to have, you know, the mammals and the birds and all that stuff is going to be out and about, you know, and the water is plentiful and everything is, you know, life is back. But during the dry season, like, yeah. You're scrounging, man. I mean, we were there. Remember that children's python? We oh, I was, I was about store. to say that. Like we were, that was, that was a block. Like we didn't even, we didn't drive that far after seeing the first one. That looked great, and then that one was like, eh. like it's. Yeah. I don't know. It it it's got to be. I think, I think carpets are a lot sturdier than we give them credit for. Um, I think. Uh, I definitely think things like a Darwin can take a lot of different temps and it's almost like they can't do bread like level stuff or diamond level stuff, but it's not that far off. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I would not expose a Darwin carpet to those temperatures, but I bet you if, if there was a night where, you know, there was a power outage and you know, it's, it's the as long as you got, as long as you got like heat the next day, as long as they can heat up. They're, yeah. they're good, man. They can they can withstand a really really cold. More, they're tougher. I think you're right. I think they're tougher than we give them credit for. You know. Well, they're also like they're so. I mean, that they're so close to the equator. I mean, that's yeah. That's what's weird about Australia is that it is at one point so close to the equator, and then at the other point so close to Antarctica. Like, it's just yeah, like, right? it's uh, it's like hot as balls, freezing fucking cold. So yeah. it's, you know, the animals have to be able to take a range. But part of me is like, if, if a carpet python, or if a python in general can go, and as long as they can get to the heat when they need it and warm up to the tent that they need to be at, they're going to be okay. It's when something disrupts that or they are unable to or, you know, there's some husbandry issues as far as cleanliness. That's where you kind of start hitting some problems, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, um, I think uh, another thing that I've learned, um, especially with Darwin carpets, Mm. um, that they don't seem to like, they don't respond well to a lot of humidity. And what I've had to have done with my babies is extra ventilation uh, Mm -hmm. for them um, because I found that they kind of, I don't know what this is about certain, well, the IJs are notorious for this, is that they flood Mm -hmm. their, 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 they get in the water bowl and the first thing you think of is, oh my God, I got mites. You know, used to drive me crazy with poplar. I hate that. Very beginning, you know, like all the time they would be in their water bowl. So then I'm trying to adjust the heat. Like, you know, the first thing I would think of is maybe it's too hot. They're trying to escape it, turn the heat down. Then I see them like, you know, they're they're hugging the heat. So I'm like, hmm, well, maybe that was, maybe I made it too cold. So I bring it up back in the water bowl, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, I remember contacting Nick and I was like, Nick, 
you know, what is happening? He's always in their water bowls and he's like, yep. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. So it's not, it's not me. They're just, they just love to get in there. Yeah. It's so you're always fighting. Um, I think I, again, I haven't been to Papua New Guinea, but uh, I think Mm. that their habitat that is very similar to what the Darwins go through. Um, I would think it's probably maybe, maybe a little bit on the more human side, but maybe what you would find in Cape York. Um, but uh, um, I think that uh, with, with the Darwins, I noticed that I had this one time where um, I had a baby Darwin and it, the humidity, you know how like sometimes the humidity and you get the little like the, the little droplets on the side of the tub? Yeah. In the, in the, like the front, you know, like yeah. right where the water ball is. Yeah. So what I noticed is, is that they would, they would be susceptible to um, blisters on their on their scales yes yeah i had that where baby coastals would sit in their water constantly and then they'd pee in the water and then they would just and i I, you know i'm not saying that i would let them just sit in there for like weeks but you know i do a weekly water change so if i change out their water and put in the water bowl and then they sit in the water i'll come and check on them and i'll pull them out of the water and be like dry out like, and then if I leave, they can go right back in the water. Like I can't. Right. So there was points where, um, I was literally pulling the water bowls from these carpet pythons after leaving them in for like a day or two, because the babies would never leave the waters. And I've had it where they do get blisters. So, and I didn't want to have to deal with a whole clutch of babies getting blisters. So literally I would water change on Wednesday. I would let them have their waters for Wednesday, Thursday. I'd pull all the waters Friday and then I'd feed on Sunday and give them back their water bowls, and I'd pull them again on Monday. It's like, you know, it was like I had to keep them away from the water bowls. Um, and it was right. like sometimes you dry off the rodents. But for these guys, I gave them to them like sopping wet because I'm like, there, now you're getting some water too. Like it was, it was a bitch to keep them all away from the water. And eventually they all got big enough that they just stopped doing it. And it was weird, but it sucks so much. I hate blisters. Yeah, I'm just going to say what I did to fix that. Mm -hmm. And I got this tip from you is basically what I did is I got some iodine. I mixed it with water. I let them soak in that. And um, they went into a shed and then the next shed, it was gone. You know, I I caught it pretty early on. But the one thing that I did adjust from that is that I just made like um, extra, extra holes. So like when I keep the babies, I keep them in like a sea serpent rack. There's not mm. like a whole lot of airflow that, you know, there's like a little gap on the top, but there's not a, like the tubs itself do not have holes in it. And it usually works very well with most of my other carpets for, for whatever reason with them. Um, I don't know why, but that, that happened as soon as I more airflow going into the tubs, problem is gone. Never had it again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's a tip. You know, the one thing I forgot to talk about, and then we can we can uh, probably close up is that the South African line of uh, of Darwin carpets, which yeah. the one that uh, I do have a male that that came from from that line, and um, that's the one with that crazy stripe and the crazy yeah. and stuff like that. It's a very very cool looking snake, um, but uh, but there's also that bloodline as well. And I mean, you know, again, Darwin carpets are like I said, they're one of those underrated. Uh, subspecies of uh carpets and uh i think that uh if you're looking for something that's uh, a little bit different and something close to like a wild carpet um i think that you can't get much closer than um 
than that. And, you know, like I said, you got, uh, you got, um, the, the melanistic ones, you got the hypo ones that are, mm-hmm. are down in Australia. I believe there's two different lines of hypo, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's, you know, Troy and Alex are working on, uh, on some stuff down there. And I know, I believe David Evans is the one with the melanistic, um, Darwin project. Uh, so that's I'm curious cool. to see what happens with that. But, you know, I hate to say it, that they'll become popular, um, and more popular when you see that. But, you know, if you're going to mix an albino and a melanistic, what's that going to look like? What's the hypo? And you're going to get, like, true sun glows. I mean, some of those hypos are just... Every yeah. time that they post up, a, whether it's Troy or Alex, and they're posting up a picture of the hypo Darwins, I just lose my mind um, because it's like they're orange almost. It's crazy. They're um, they're awesome, you know. Um, so I would I would recommend them. I think that they're they're just super underrated, and there's a ton of uh, selective breeding potential with them. And um, whether you're going with the striped or the reduced pattern or the banded or you know, whatever. This, that, and the other thing. Yeah, there's tons of stuff. Or even the albino. You know, again, Dude, it's. I know we kind of ragged on the albino a bit, but uh, I think there's room that, for that. Uh, you know, you can't. In my opinion, there's not a cooler albino. Uh, you know, Python, but I'm biased. Yeah, no maybe, comment. Maybe you take albino, you know. No, I mean, see, now you've gone too far. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll hang on to, cool. <laughs> I'll hang on to coastal uh, albino, but it's, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we always talk about the untapped potential of IJ, like of all the projects that you can build, you can do the same thing with Darwin. Yep. And you can do the same thing with Inland. You can do the same thing with, there's a ton of different projects you could do. I mean, so don't think you just got to pigeonhole yourself into a morph project. Yeah. You know, do the morph projects. Those are fun. They're cool. But then, you know, if you're into Darwin's, go for it. Just just go just go for it. Don't don't sit there and be like, I need a pair of this. Why? Because everybody else is a pair. Well, if everybody else is a pair, it's not some, you know, then don't worry about it. Get every single type of Darwin you can get your hands on. Become that guy that's known for Darwins and then start fiddling around. Maybe you'll start churning out something really badass, you know? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, cool stuff. And if you get the chance, you should try to go see him in the wild. You know, definitely. uh... That's like, yeah, if you can go. I mean, I, I had the Reptile and Chill guys. Like, I'm like... They want to go with us and have a car that is NPR and a car that is reptile and chill. And I said, that's fine. Just as long as you guys stay in your car and we get our car and that's fine. Dude, so. all I hear is Benny Hill music playing every time yeah, I mean, get out to get a I told Phelps, you want to pay him to read the complete Carpet Python to him? And he said, that's fine. Speaking of which, no need. No need. No yeah, need. No, no? no need. Oh. No. I'm, I'm sorry, oh. Phelpsy. You, you snooze, you lose. Yeah, um, you, move, you move too slow. Yeah. I get an email <gasps> from my good friend, Mr. Nipper Reed. <laughs> and I go, and it's a file. And I go, and I play it. And <laughs> it's him reading <laughs> the first chapter 
I think I think I should put it at the end of this episode. What do you I think? I think you should. I think you should put a snippet of it. Yes. I mean, oh my god, part of me, part of me feels like we can have some form of Patreon where you pay five dollars and you can get the next chapter read by some person with a British accent. Oh my god, just... I'm gonna have to talk to Nick and Justin. We have to see have licensing fees. Like, how bad is that gonna be? Yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to pay them some cash. So that we can I mean, we can put it on the end, but the audio I mean, book dude, of the complete it, carpet. Hey, thank you. If we could somehow on Audible comes the complete carpet. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Tell me that's not genius. Read by Nipper Book Reed. number two has to be read <laughs> by Nipper Reed. As soon as it comes out. You know? Oh, uh, God. Now on the shelves and at your, wherever you, <laughs> you can get your audio book. Dude, all I could think of, right? This is immediately what flashed in my head, right? Remember when we were at Tinley and you bought me the the the, the drink with the the yes. the martini yes. barbell and I, I, umbrellas I and all this stuff. Is Pinky's out. Is, <laughs> yeah. So I sent him back a message and I was like, I said, Nipper, I'm sitting here. It's it's this COVID nineteen craziness in the supermarket. Everybody's beating each other up for toilet paper, and you know, like you know, people are coming in in hazmat suits to get you know ground turkey and shit. And it's just like it's just it's just insanity, man. Like I I can't tell you how you know like oh my god, you needed that. You really needed that, dude. It's and just so insane, right? So yeah. I, I see the email pops, and I'm like, who is this? The hell, yeah. Like, is an audio file? What the hell is this? I said, yo, guys, I'm going back to my office. Give me, give me like, give me like 10, 15 minutes or whatever. I go in, I shut the door, (laughs) sit down, I'm drinking my coffee, and here it is. And he goes, hello, morning. I'm just like, oh, come on, man. This is like, have you ever, have you ever listened to a book where it's like, um, (laughs) uh, Clearing House Audio presents (laughs) the complete carpet python. Read yes. by Nipper Reed. And it's like, you know, you just want a random house audio. And it's like, and then you go through it and rip and Nipper just like chapter one. And then you just go through it. Yeah. And then at the end is this has been a Morelli Python radio production. We thank you. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, it was great. It was God. so good. Uh, how much? I've how listened bad, to it like 10 how times. How bad would it be? How bad would it be if we started just. Having people <laughs> record audiobooks of our favorite reptile books. I mean, the well, less think, the licensing would be ridiculous, right? But yeah. I mean, well, the the funny thing is, is that I think Graham Battison is doing that. I think see, the problem is that now I'm getting the I'm getting an Eric like idea, and where the hell are you to stop me? Like the the roles have been reversed right now. I'm like, let's start recording books, and you're not stopping me. No, you know so, I don't stop those kind of ideas. I roll with this those ideas. Man. This is bad. That this is yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, it, I, I I I think I saw it just today. It was today or yesterday. But Graham is starting a. Uh, a thing where he's gonna his YouTube channel he's gonna have because he's big time in the in the books and yeah stuff like yeah that. and I think he's gonna have like you know different you know reptile guys and whatnot I, read I keep them I mean once they they were talking about having a library in that uh, zoo in Arkansas when they're done building all that stuff yeah and I'm like dear God we have to like if if there was ever a place where I would want like a hard backup of the archive for NPR, it would be there. Like, I mean, like, I don't care how many discs it has to be on or whatever. The, <laughs> like, I just make sure it's there because if like years from now, when you and I are both dead and yeah. somebody wants to listen to the, some of the interviews on this shit, 
who knows, maybe it helps with a research paper or understanding of some species somewhere. Do it, you know? Sure. How many yeah. times have we had Ari, one of the lead researchers of Bull and I, probably, I say that one of because I'm pretty sure he's the only guy, but I don't I think you might be correct. <laughs> you might be correct. But like, you know, we've had him on numerous times. So, you know, it's whatever would help. So, um, and I think it would just be fucking hilarious. <laughs> just, yeah, man. I, I, cause I, I just imagining like I, the problem is the image in my head and what makes it worse is that it's Phelpsy in like some sort of robe with like <laughs> on in like a wing back chair next to a fireplace. Yeah. Hello. Well, look, and he's just got like some sort of pipe. He's just like playing with his beard, you know, yeah. like tw- twirling it and at the bottom. <laughs> sets it down and he's like, chapter one. And yeah. then it's, oh, all right. It's, <laughs> yeah. Like a Yule log for reptile nerds, you just play it at Christmas. It's Phelps in a chair reading. Maybe you. like maybe the idea is that every everyone from Reptile and Chill and you know the and Nipper right yep. can yep. can read a chapter. I mean that's what I think. <laughs> you know every I mean, one of them read a anything chapter with a cool accent I, that I think should read a chapter. I mean shit, let's man. go. I don't I don't. I don't. I want that for me. You know what I mean? See, I, like, I want. I want to be able to drive to work and be able to, dude. I'm. I'm telling you, I listened to it like 20 times. The problem is, I don't trust myself to do it right. So the only pages that I would want is the cover, the complete carpet python, <laughs> author Nick Mutton, Justin Julander, with special yes. breeding, special breeding chapter by Doctor Benjamin Worrell. Like that's all I want. Right. And then everybody else can do everything else. Yeah. So. I th- I'm going uh, to tack it on to the end a little secret so you can hear it. So when when this episode comes out, fast forward to the very end and listen to the end. And you'll see what I'm talking and about. Then, and then I guess um, And then Nick, you'll, want, you'll want a copy of it. And I'll have to send yeah, you guess, it to you. You'll be like, ah. I guess then after this, after this episode, um, we'll have to send money to Justin and Nick. I mean, uh, I assume we have to pay them by the chapter. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean... You, you, your people call our people. Yeah, okay, right. we'll talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> but yeah, man, it was uh, it was really cool. So I thank Nipper for that. This I asked, those, and he responded. One of those episodes. This is one of those episodes where I'm going to get a message from Justin, be like, "What the hell are you doing?" And yeah. I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> so I'm only putting it at the end so people can get it just a little taste. A little taste. Like, a little... For, as far as the book, I'm not. You know, the audio book is for me. You know what yeah. I mean? That's for me. <laughs> I don't. I, care. I don't care about the rest of you people. I, you know, <laughs> I will pay Nipper. I will pay him in rattlesnakes. Like show him a rattlesnake. Okay, Nipper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Darwin <laughs> chapter is next. Darwin chapter. Yeah. Snake. You, wanna what do you want to see a timber? I know where they are. Okay. I would, I would request that Nipper have some sort of fun chime. Turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but and I like, just, just the way he was talking, you're I could laying, just You're picture... laying in bed next to Dory, sitting <laughs> like, yay, turning the page. <laughs> I could just picture him sitting down with just like you said that the, like the, the, the wing back, back chair, chair the fireplace you know, in the, the study. fireplace yeah. he's got on his robe and his you know his slippers and stuff you know he's sitting by the fire sipping on a brandy as <laughs> he's twirling it around in his hand what, chapter what one a, what, SNL, <laughs> what snl thing was it christopher walken was it him reading where the wild um, things are was it where the wild things are? Yes. I thought, or was, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> nah, maybe. <laughs> where the wild things are. Nah. <laughs> oh, God. There's a tree it... in the middle of an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean, that. Yeah, I don't know. It's good that, stuff. That'd be great. 
I, I think that's just fantastic. So uh, thank you, Nipper, for that wonderful bright spot of uh, hilariousness. Yeah, you don't know um, how much you made my week with that. Man. Yeah. You, you, you really don't. I was having such a tough week, man. But I come out of the office and they're like, oh, wow, you got a smile on your face now. I was like, never mind. Yeah, back to work. <laughs> Quiet, yeah. you. Sorry, backhand the meat boy. Put back- your put your mask <laughs> back on and stop talking to me. Oh, 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 okay. Jim McIntyre, the man, the myth, the legend, decided it would be the best thing to do is to wear his CPAP mask out into public today <laughs> and that that would protect him. <laughs> when I explained to him that that's not how that works, he's like, well, I just achieved looking like an idiot, didn't I? I'm like, well, you said it, not me. Oh, so. Man. That yep. would have been good to see, too. I don't even <laughs> want to. He's. Yeah. Anyway. We want Jim to read the complete Condro. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how superior Morelia they are. The, they get the, the more. Yeah, they get the more. <laughs> they get Jim for the more the complete Condro and the more complete Condro. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand this crap. Yes, Dad. They keep going. It's just, just a green at, snake, man. <laughs> what kind of shit is this? Ugh. My goddamn son. He told me it was on a I, date. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's about right. So. Uh, All right. It's been a fun way to end this episode. <laughs> exactly. So enjoy your your Darwin carpet pythons. Um. All right. Yeah. For us, uh, I guess we'll we'll head out. Um. I will say this: that yeah. I've been on several other podcasts in the past, like two weeks. Yeah, you've been making your rounds, man. Yeah, but dude, they're like, it's been two hours. It's time to end. I'm like, what? There's time limits? <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, no, they're so tight with the time limits, man. It's like, let it flow, bro. <laughs> like, and I, I think I said that. I'm like, you guys are rookies. Like, Eric and I are like putting in like five hours. So That's we're right, like, man. Chumps. you know, yeah, whatever, man. You By the way, I told you, and I don't know how, I, somehow I got an email sent to us that. We yeah. were number 14 Jesus of Christ. all time of pets and animal podcast on Apple Podcast. Number 14. How That's, the hell did that happen? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I, y'all, y'all must be bored at home during quarantine, but um, thank you for everybody who's listening and welcome oh, yeah. if you are a new listener. Um uh, I would say jump back into the archive and check it out, but some of them are pretty rough. So maybe just hang with us here. <laughs> like, yeah. go forward. Don't go back. Yeah. So, um, uh, but it's definitely very cool to consider that. Um, I will, uh, I know we weren't going to tell them, but I guess we'll divulge it that we were beaten. Um, I think, weren't we beaten in the UK? Well, we're, we were, we were down in, uh, we we kind of we were what were we number twenty two in the European yeah. uh, market, and then yeah. all of a sudden we went down a little bit, so our things <laughs> dropped. And I was like, "It's them damn reptile and damn chill reptile guys." Reptile and chill guys <laughs> knocked us off. We're not we're not they're they're beating us in the year in Europe at this point, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. that's fine. They can they can have that. You know, we'll get they're adorable. That. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean. <laughs> 
they were like, would you ever do anything like what we do with the book and the scientific? No, because Eric would be the one trying to get me to pronounce the Latin and I'd be the one butchering it. Hell no. No, we don't want to copy things, man. I, yeah, I, I love the fact that all the podcasts have their own little thing and like that's their thing, you know, and I quite enjoy it. But yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's it's always fun. You got to have something different. You got to keep it cool. And, uh, you know, it's. We'll, we'll we'll reclaim Europe back from them. I mean, I, we're determined now. That's right. Don't yep. worry. Don't worry. Enjoy it while as soon as Donald Trump's out of office, we'll reclaim <laughs> we'll reclaim Europe again. Slowly they just don't sure. like us now because yeah, of I know it's it fine. What yeah. it is. We all get lumped in with that knucklehead, but you know yeah. what are you gonna do? Sorry, Jim. I bet you Jim it's, likes yep. him. Don't. I, yeah, I don't yeah, want to get okay. it. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, so for us, <laughs> MoreliaPythonRadio.net, um, that's your uh, all-access area for anything Morelia over there. Um, you can check out uh, all kinds of links to all different things that take you to different spots if you want to learn about them. I'm almost completed uh, mm. the, like, the care thing. I redid it all on my site, but I'm going to copy that to NPR as well. And uh, I've been working on that during my off time in quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. So that should be coming out soon. Um, we we did a long time ago a thing called the NPR Library. And in there we have just various books that we, you know, have read or talked about on the show and papers and stuff like that. So you can check that out there as well. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, info at Morelia Python Radio, you can find us on all the social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook and our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have a Facebook group, Morelia Pick of the Week. Um, if you want to uh, just become involved with uh, with carpet pythons and green tree pythons. And, of course, we welcome the other non-Morelia that used to be Morelia like Owen Pellies or Scrubs mm-hmm. or Ruffies. Well, Ruffies are still Morelia, so they still rate. <clears throat> but things like that. Even your... Olives, waters, Indonesian and Australian pythons. We we don't care, you know. We we don't discriminate. Um, but yeah, you can check us out there. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those kind of things. Um, and then for myself, it's just EB Morelia. Um, I actually am going to sell snakes this year. <gasps> so gasp. As clutches are laid, um, be paying attention because um, I should have some really cool stuff. Uh, See, this is cool uh, IJ stuff. Yeah. You and I were planning to, like, you know, vend a show or two this summer, and now everything's just been horribly dismantled. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well. Who knows? <sighs> Who knows? Yeah. But you never, you know, uh, speaking of which, mm-hmm. I guess our next episode, I think I was thinking that me and you. Uh, could do an episode on just being prepared for like the state Doom. that we're in. You know what I yeah. mean? Like <laughs> taking care of your collection, making sure that uh, you're you're ready. There have been about some things. weird things that I didn't think I would have to prep for. That uh, going into this, I wish I had because um, I use Lysol and bleach and stuff as cleaner. And good fucking luck finding those. Correct. Um, also, I usually primarily get my rodents at the shows. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that. Uh, I thought that would be a good topic uh, considering uh, this situation. Yeah. Why not? 
So stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, if you want to get in contact with me or you want to see what I got going on, EB Morelia. Um, yeah, I, I have, like I said, I've been slacking with YouTube and whatnot, but I do have a YouTube episode scheduled for tomorrow to record. So hopefully I'll have nice. that out by the, uh, by the end of the week. So uh, that's all I have for myself. Cool. All right. So for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, I'll be updating that probably this weekend. There are a couple animals that did sell that I haven't taken down off of that. So if you are interested in a baby, just message me. Let me know what you're thinking, and I'll let you know if that animal's still available. Uh, if it's not, I will try to plug one in that I think will work, and I'll let you know about that one. Uh, as far as anything else, we I'm staring down the barrel of... Uh, one clutch and two eggs. So I don't even want to call it a whole clutch anymore. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what they look like when they hatch out. Um, right now, though, it's primarily uh, some carbon pythons left over from last year. And the year before, a couple of caramel and some head exanic stuff, as well as a bunch of bread lye head stonewash. Uh, so definitely let me know if you're interested in any of those. Uh, I will still ship regardless of the coronavirus, and I promise I won't breathe in the back. So <laughs> it's um, so uh, that's all we have for you guys today. I will say that I will ship during the coronavirus, but double check that kind of stuff because from what I saw, FedEx is still operating normally, but they are warning of delays. So I would say right. that if you are anybody shipping out, please prepare your animals for an extra day. Uh, I know Ship Your Reptiles is not – they're only taking live shipments till Monday through Wednesday. Right. So – uh, ship anyway. Yep, that's what I – I don't – the hell, I'm not – like I would only ever ship for a Friday arrival if it was requested, and you're going to hear from me letting you know that this is a bad idea before I do it. Now it's not even an option. I love it. So um, – <laughs> I would say keep that stuff in mind. And if you are shipping something out, prepare to, you know, pack the babies accordingly. Give them, I mean, I normally pack for 48 hours of shipping. Right. Because um, I use a 48-hour heat pack and all the other fun stuff. Uh, it, it, you know, this is the kind of stuff where maybe if you have the 72-hour heat packs, use them because you don't know. Right. And I'd rather err on the side of caution, everybody. So, but that's all we have for everybody tonight. So we'll say thank you all for listening and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Moralia Python radio. Good night. Welcome to the complete carpet Python, a comprehensive guide to the natural history, care and breeding of the Morelia Spilota complex. Section one, introduction to the carpet Python complex a Morelia Carinata.